Welcome to the Zeitgeist Lab Collections, the ultimate episode of season one. This is like, this is it. I am Alex. I am Brian. And uh, how are we feeling tonight? We're, I don't know if this will for sure be the last time we record, but it's the beginning of the last episode for this season. So the beginning of the end. Yes. Like it's like our bleed American. Yeah. Um, it didn't really hit me that we were recording the last episode until you mentioned it. You didn't remember this was the last one? I mean, I, I wasn't really thinking about it going into okay. it. No. Yeah. Yeah, this is, the, this is the end. Yeah. For now. For now, yeah. So it's not the um, end, the end. No. This is the end of season one, but it's the end of what, what we know so far to, of the podcast. Right. We, we turn a new leaf after this. Yeah, so it's kind of... So it's kind of bittersweet, you know. Okay, I never thought you would uh, describe the end of talking about drive-through records as anything other than sweet, but. <laughs> um, okay, so final final main episode. Uh, are we high? Are we sober? Oh, we're high, man. We're we're, we're okay. high. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we got. I'm smoking on a new strain called Obama. Okay, it's called Obama. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'll be thanking him several times throughout this podcast. <laughs> and I mean, big news! I'll I'll just let everyone know right here at the top. That's the guest we have this week. We've got Barack Obama. He's going to be talking to us about um, about this band, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, his favorite <laughs> his favorite band to do, to do to do drone strikes too. <laughs> yeah, this is he was definitely listening to this album every time he launched a drone strike. Okay, well, what, what's going on tonight? What is happening in sunny Wisconsin? Um, it's not so sunny uh, tonight. Well, it's well, night, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's night, but it has, hasn't, hasn't really been sunny lately. It's been pretty, pretty cloudy. We've been getting a lot of rain that's needed. Um, no, no springtime weather yet? Not quite, man. I've been looking at it, too, and it's not looking good. Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, what are we? But I've, but I've been doing good. I got a job now. Nice. That yeah. Congratulations on that. Um, did you tell them about the Fentuzler in your interview? Oh yeah, it's the first thing I mentioned. I, I would know, figure. Was, I mean, it, they, I mean, they said okay, so. It's on my resume. I mean, it's on your resume. Yeah, it's on the cover. Oh, yeah, it's my cover letter. Is it listed as a job or like a special skill? <laughs> 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 it's listed as a special skill. All right. Well, sick. Yeah. Fentuzler and Fentuzler accessories. Oh, Fentuzler accessories. Is that just a face mask? I mean, that's probably a big accessory for the pandemic. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah, the, the balaclava and uh, a beanie, um, right? Yeah. There's. What else would a Fentuzler action figure have? Oh, I don't know. You should do uh, Fentuzler merch. I thought about it, but I don't really know how to do anything like that. I mean, you've got a rec- you've got a record label. Surely you can do merch now. Yeah, I don't know how much pe- I don't know how many people would buy Fentuzler merch. <laughs> I mean, there's only one way to find out. You just need to find a deal where you don't pay unless someone actually buys something. You know. Nothing yeah, gets made I mean, it, until it feels, like, it, it feels like such a hassle to like make merch like just like a sticker or like a button and then have to mail it out. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you'd make your paintings and that's, that sounds harder to me because I can't paint, but. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe someday. Fentuser merch. What about, what about podcast merch? What could we do? Podcast merch. I, I don't know. First we could get people that are willing to pay us more than uh, $3 a month or any dollars a month might be a good start. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Except for Mark, Mark, if you're listening, tell us what merch you would buy from, from our pod and we'll we'll think about it. Yeah. I think good pod merch would be like a little lighter. Okay. So you want it to be merchandise that I would have zero use for. <laughs> How am I yeah, supposed like a, to sell something that I myself would never want to use? <laughs> I guess maybe I'd light a campfire or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's I mean, it's not like Lighters are, are are used just for smoking. Well, I know, but like I I I mean, I've got a grill. I suppose that's the only time I use a lighter is when I light my grill. Well, there you go. Light it with the the Zeitgeist Lab podcast lighter. Okay. All right. Well, I think you should get that made. I would buy one. <laughs> Hang it above my bed. There you go. Yeah, in case intruders come in. Okay. Um. I, I, do we have anything really to talk about? There's going to be so much to talk about later. But oh, yeah, later. What about listener mail? I saw you put out a call for that. Did we get anything? We didn't get. Uh, we didn't get anything. We, we just confused one person who thought this was a call-in episode. Yeah, it should be. That would be great if we took live calls, like we we're Larry King or something. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, I like that. That's your. That's your go-to. That's like I think the I think he's the Colin. standard bearer for yeah call-in shows. Yeah, I grew up listening to sports talk radio with my dad. So oh, really? Okay. My mind goes to like Jim Rome and those kind of people. I was never big into like well any sort of talk radio, sports or otherwise, but I definitely watched Sports Center every day growing up. But that's not really like a call-in show. No. All right. Well, should we just get into it then? Let's just get into it, yeah. Okay, all right, let's do this thing. Um, so first of all, we're going to check in with Marsden, who is here to talk to us about the cover for the final album we'll be talking about, which is The Art of Disappointment by Benjamins. Okay, welcome back to the pod. Uh, for the last time, this collection anyway, is Marsden Ash. Marsden, thank you for joining us uh, one final time here. It is, it's, it's my pleasure. Um, I hope that both you guys are, are doing well. Um, and I, I did want to say just because this is, as you, as you mentioned, the last time that I'm joining you guys for this particular set, um, that I've, I've really appreciated you guys giving me the opportunity to do, do this. It's been fun chatting with you guys and, and getting to know both of you guys a little bit better. And, and, and I think beyond that also just kind of a fun exploration for me being that this is a, a record label that I was not extremely familiar with it's it's been fun both from a perspective of kind of uh testing my ability to to guess what something's <laughs> going to sound like based sure. on the cover art um, it, i mean it's a great idea in and of itself but but also aside from that just kind of like a i feel like it has been very interesting for me to actually dive into and hear a whole family of bands that growing up were always like adjacent to stuff that I liked, but never checked out, you know? And, and, and in a lot of ways, I think that the, a, um, the process of doing this has like 
a lot of ways like confirmed my notion of like what stuff in this particular area of music sounded like but you know um nevertheless it is is curious and interesting to me to actually finally hear certain bands that i know were like a big deal for a lot of people that i grew up around or knew that a lot of people i grew up around repped um and you know actually put a uh a a sound to the name it's been very cool Cool. so so thank you both i appreciate it well thank you for doing it like uh i mean not to get too earnest or whatever here but like i it's no please it's 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 been great getting to talk to you and get to know you better Uh, before this i mean you and i marsden had talked somewhat on twitter but i Mm -hmm. still like in my mind so much of my idea of you was this Twitter persona that is uh, sure. <laughs> it's, it's quite the persona. I don't know how to really sum it up, but um, so like when I reached out to you and I mean to maybe to even bring up some of my own vulnerabilities and insecurities mm. here um, as coming from blink 155 there, I, I think I have like a lot of insecurity issues. So mm. I've never gone back and listened to, specific um exclusives from that particular pod with other people right. in the the nation because i was just like i'd get jealous like oh what does this person have that oh like, yeah, yeah like why and not, <laughs> not that i have anything to offer really anyone on that pod but it was just it's like a fucked up insecurity that i've always tried to deal with but in preparation to talk to you i went back and listened to that and i was like oh uh this is nothing like the the twitter persona i yeah. know that's always <laughs> advising me like what parts of a caterpillar i should be performing fellatio on um, and so yeah. and then and then getting to actually you know talk to you and, and know you like this it's um i'm very impressed with how thoughtful you are and how prepared you at least seem to come to these things and like you've added a, a great dynamic and layer uh to these episodes so mm-hmm. thank you so much it's, it's been great to have you that that is all genuinely so kind of you to say alex i i really appreciate that and and um for what it's worth, I, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I hope for the most part, and, and I'm sure that this is something you can relate to too, Brian, but in, in mm. terms of uh, both being people who have kind of like uh, performed personas, as it were, on Twitter, <laughs> and I don't really even know what mine is. I mean, I think that the, the closest <laughs> anyone has gotten to it is, I, uh, I think... I recall uh, Josiah, I mean, you mentioned Blink-155 and, um, you know, Josiah has, I think, referred to my um, Twitter presence on the pod as being uh, particularly unhinged. And um, (laughs) that's fair. That's yeah, probably not unfair. But but for what it's worth, I I do, um, for the most part, um, hope that people realize that that is not necessarily what I'm actually like. And it is (laughs) it is it is always. uh reassuring uh for what it's worth when i when i talk to people that i've met online and they're like oh you're a lot different than what i expected i'm like that's good i really hope that it is the case that i strike people as being different than my twitter persona because if if that if if i didn't i would like genuinely have a lot of um uh necessary introspection (laughs) (laughs) um so, uh, but, but thank you for that. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, part of, part of what's great about um, doing this sort of stuff is, is, you know, being able to see those different aspects of, of, of a person and, and, um, and explore that a little bit. And it, it's been a pleasure to do that with, uh, with both of you, both uh, on mic and off, so. Absolutely.
yeah, it's, um, good, it's good to see a different side of uh, of you on this po- on this podcast for sure. I appreciate that, and you and you too, Brian. I've, I've definitely <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. E- yeah, it's... even just on mic, learned things about you that that surprised me. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this is something that I realized we probably should have talked about months ago. But mm. before we get into the actual album, we're here to talk about what what do you make of what is the aesthetic of the Drive Through Records logo? Oh. Um, well, I mean, th- this one, um, does it mean anything this... like to me, like what, I don't get it. It's just weird to me, I guess. Oh, really? I See, cause to me, this uh, automatically simple, makes like, sense. It's yeah. like a drive through, uh, like a drive through sign. Yeah. You know? And I mean, they had, they had to change it at one point cause they said it was, they got in trouble with in and out cause yeah, that makes sense. Their original logo. <laughs> but I, mean, it's just I mean, the in and out logo. Yeah. But I just never like are they trying to, do you think they're trying to say anything about the sound of their label or is it just, it's a drive through? Um, I have no idea about that. Um, I mean, maybe that's based on aesthetic, at least I, I cannot necessarily um, say, I'm sure that maybe you guys knowing the history of the record label know a little bit more about like why they picked the, the, the name for the record label. Maybe. I actually um, don't. That's a good question. I've never found anything specifically on how they came up with that name. Sometimes it can be really hard to find that kind of, especially because I suspect um, is with like a lot of things subcultural it often seems to be the case that um the names of things sometimes originate in stupid jokes and then they don't want to explain why the name was was picked (laughs) because later on people maybe like think it's cooler than it is yeah if you really you know yeah um but but yeah i mean like it uh it's a decent looking logo for record label and and for what it's worth it it firstly it seems to fit with uh the sound of the label and i don't, I can't really put my finger on why but it, it seems to and beyond that it also just fits with the name of the record label like okay. it makes sense yeah um, like like the bright colors kind of signify pop punk definitely yeah well sense. and even that like kind of like fast food connection with pop punk, yeah exactly yeah there. Um, I mean, and maybe even that—that's kind of the you know naming convention or something. There's definitely something very pop punk about like, not not just like going for burgers and getting fast food and stuff with your friends, but specifically the versions of that that like feel kind of old timey. Because there's definitely always been a little bit of the like, even just like how many pop punk bands have a music video that is basically like a riff on you know people going to the like happy days malt shop type of vibe you know right like i feel like so many pop punk bands have done that blink 182 have done like several versions of that um yeah (laughs) so you know there's definitely like i don't know something about the kind of like collection of like fast food baseball uh you know old drive-in movies bowling shirts and bowling alleys also for what that's worth like all of those things kind of exist within like a collective aesthetic space that is um americana but also is pop punk aesthetics so. yeah is pop like punk movie, about nostalgia i definitely uh, think it, i don't know i i don't know if one i don't know if i could say that holistically but I definitely think that that's a huge, huge part of it. Okay. Um, I, you know, especially a, a kind of like 
weird proto nostalgia. Um, I think that in the way that the genre is very like youth directed, that especially the idea of like being nostalgic for things that predate your existence is like a big part <laughs> of being a teenager yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that like mixing that with a kind of like tongue in cheek appropriation of um, like teen aesthetics from, from old movies and stuff um, both like actual 50s and 60s things and then like 80s teen movies that still have those 50s and 60s vibes just because it was the Reagan era. Um, like, I don't know, I, I think all of that kind of contributes to those aesthetics and the nostalgia associated with them being a big part of pop punk for sure. Yeah. And also the way that pop punk acts as a kind of uh, foil for the attitude of of punk proper being very much about like burn down everything that came before like fuck tradition fuck classicism like all of that stuff has to go here's this new thing which of course is like not particularly relevant now that punk is a like 50 year old genre of music but yeah. but you know that's clearly like a, a part of the um the ethos behind it and i think that in a lot of ways pop punk existed as a counter to that in the sense that it was not just like taking itself less seriously or presenting itself less seriously in, in terms of politics and stuff, but that uh, along with embracing the lighter side of things, there was also a maybe more friendly attitude towards the past and, and nostalgia than exhibited in, in punk music as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, on to this this final album we're talking about. We've got the cover here. It's uh, called The Art of Disappointment by the band. Uh, I, I thought they were called The Benjamins, but on the label or on the cover here, they're just labeled as Benjamins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Marzen, do you want to describe it and then maybe give us your first first thoughts on it? Yeah, for sure. So it's um, a young woman in a purple turtleneck, kind of a plum color, looks like a black coat tights, uh, leather boots, and she's squatting in front of a car, which has its headlights turned on. Um, she has kind of her hands very loosely clasped in front of her knees. And then um, in a font that I really do not like, um, it says the name <laughs> Benjamins in white, and then in kind of a pale blue that's close to the color of the car, it says the art of disappointment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, uh, I do not like this font. I do not like that it does not have, um, uh, I don't know what that font is called, but um, I do not like that it, there are not dots over the eyes. I do okay. not like that it is very directional in that the like crossing of letters is very much just on one side of, of the letters. Like the, like the T cross isn't a cross, it just sticks out in a way that makes it look kind of like an F. Um, but the main, the main thing that is upsetting to me about it, and the, this is very much me, this is not the font's fault. The, the way that the S's in it look okay. is, um, looks- Oh yeah, that is annoying. Yeah, well, it's specifically it, it's annoying to me because it looks um, kind of the way that a certain, um, alternate Latin character that makes like a sh sound is sometimes written based on a like on an older 
um, from an older version of the English alphabet, you sometimes have a sh sound okay. indicated with like this kind of stretched out version of the S. Okay. Um, so I do not like that when I look at it, my brain is like Benjamin. Sh. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> And and even though I know again that that's like that's just me and that's in my head, I'm like it's uh, it has made this font disagreeable for me. And also the R is um, not uh, in not the R symbol, but the symbol for a um, uh, like a, a, a a tap sound, like um, like when we say butter in English, that middle. Okay. We don't say butter. We say butter. The, the, <laughs> yeah. The, oh, yeah. The like the sound. Yeah. That's yeah. the symbol that you use for that sound. So. Um, oh. Again. Uh, like yeah. like little. Yeah, like a the sound that is little. between like a T and an R. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, at least in in a lot of of the in a lot of different um, linguistic alphabets for okay. phonetic spelling, including, I think, in the International Phonetic Alphabet, um, that, that is the symbol that is used for um, like a, a tap. Yeah. Okay. And then I brought up this other page just to put it into context that the, because you can't tell this on the PowerPoint presentation, but the album actually oh, yeah. has like this white frame around oh, okay. the actual picture for whatever that's worth i just wanted to make sure you saw that it's interesting yeah just no the picture. i appreciate you mentioning that because i would not have uh i would not have gathered that from the powerpoint yeah um yeah all all things considered i uh i really don't know how i feel about this album cover okay. i think like if it, if it were a photograph just on its own i would like it but as a whole i don't I don't think that I do. I um, uh, even aside from my obvious distaste for the font, uh -huh. something about the framing of it really bothers me. Like I don't, I don't like that the top of her head is cut off. The the car, the hood of, of the car on either side touches the edges of the photograph. Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe maybe that is done deliberately to create a sense of like closeness or even a claustrophobic feel in the image cover. But, but if that was their intent, um, I think that rather than that coming across, it just looks like a kind of um, uh, amateurishly taken photograph. Okay. Um, which like, it's one thing to have some like cute amateur photos taken by the band and the, you know, and their friends and crew and stuff in like the liner notes, but having it as the album cover, it just, uh, I don't know. To me, it looks very. Um, it looks very like this is the cover of of my like demo CD that I printed out on CDR and okay. like I printed these out on my inkjet at home. Yeah. Kind of like okay. I made this by myself, and I don't have uh, you know Photoshop, so I used the like free version that comes on Windows. Kind of like, <laughs> like it's just Paint. like not. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, it's not good, like, design um, okay. principles being exercised here, I don't think. <laughs> okay. So what do you make of the title, The Art of Disappointment, and does this cover, uh, like, this photo fit with the title? Well, yeah. They, I mean, they've certainly made an art out of disappointing me. <laughs> okay. Um, I do not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, outside of that, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know if the, this woman doesn't really look disappointed to me. Um, and I'm not really sure what the context of her squatting in front of this, this car is. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed with the aesthetics of it, but outside of that, I, um, I'm not sure what to make of it. <laughs> I always thought it was an interesting title, like the art of disappointment. Like, is it, mm -hmm. is it like I, I can make disappointing someone, I can turn that into an art or, the, the way that I get mm. disappointed is an art like from I, I always wondered like what perspective uh, yeah. is the art like facing uh, yeah this? I didn't really consider that in terms of the actual phrasing of it that's a good point um it either way it, it rings very like uh I don't know um brings very like Bukowski-ish or something to me that there's something about that whole um mm. kind of like self-deprecating like you know uh I, I make a i make an art out of being a you know a sad sack piece of shit kind of vibe that i get from it <laughs> so um, i'm gonna have to yeah. play the ignorance card here who's did you say bukowski who's that charles bukowski. bukowski yeah charles bukowski um he's i mean I, like i for what it's worth i feel like there's probably a lot of people who would give you a hard time for not being familiar with him um but i my personally i would say that it's probably a blessing that, that, that you're <laughs> okay. not um i think that while there is a lot he definitely offers um some like literary merit he is he was talented and i think that it would be unfair to say anything other than that he had like a profound influence on american modern and postmodern literature but uh that all being said i think that like most of the beat generation of writers mm -hmm. um it's hard from a modern lens to see much in his writing other than like him romanticizing the idea that he was just like an awful human um, okay <laughs> treated women really 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 badly ah. it, it's very it's very much kind of like i don't know that certain era of like pre-rock and roll but same sort of problems of being like yeah i'm just such a like romantic piece of shit that uses women and i'm such a drunk and like i'm always stealing money from my friends and sleeping on their couches and everybody hates me but it's so romantic and cool and and but you're reading it and you're kind of like this isn't cool like you're just bad to the people around you and like ruining people and, and you suck um and also like a lot of i i can't remember if he did but i know that of course like Kerouac who's mm -hmm. of course like one of the other writers that's like very much in his circle definitely like literally ended up like living on his mom's couch for oh, okay. like most of his adult life after writing his books and stuff like like they all of all of those guys were in so many ways like living out and creating in some respects a like very embarrassing stereotype of yeah um <laughs> like adult men okay <laughs> who have yeah. mom issues like yeah and they're celebrated and, the, and they ended up being celebrated primarily by adult men yeah. with mother issues oh exactly yeah that's that's well and i mean that that's kind of the irony of it is that it's like not only are their works themselves problematic but the fact that they are considered some of the like most important american writers probably can like tell us a lot in terms of like what kind of viewpoints are are advantaged um in in the mm -hmm. modern world 
Sure. Because again, like I say, it's like, I understand that if someone first read those books long before a lot of discourses that are going on nowadays were happening, that they might have received them very differently. Mm -hmm. But in terms of it being a blessing, <laughs> you haven't encountered them. If you were to go like read some Bukowski right now, I, I feel like it would be, even if someone isn't like super into, you know, like progressive or feminist rhetoric, it would be hard to read his stuff from okay. a modern lens and not be like, this dude is a piece of shit. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Okay. <laughs> um, because it, it's, it's like all of his writing is just like a catalog of him being bad to women basically okay so yeah okay. it's weird not missing out on much all right no no you're good um but yeah he's uh but yeah all, all that being said the the phrase the art of disappointment feels very very much um to me at least to evoke that same sort of like uh classic american artistic practice of uh attempting to romanticize um male mediocrity and oh, to okay. romanticize misogyny like yeah <laughs> and just like general exactly yeah yeah and and specifically in a way that is like because i i definitely think that like speaking as someone who you know is uh, deals with a mental illness and who deals often with like insecurity and self-loathing there's absolutely a place for like expressing those those things in art and i don't want to invalidate that but there is also definitely a certain strain of art that has like so much made that their bread and butter mm -hmm. that it doesn't even yeah. feel like they're actually expressing an insecurity but it's, it's not uh, feeling authentic yeah, well, and, and they've bought into the idea of it being romantic and poetic in a way that, like, it's not self-loathing. It's actually kind of masturbatory because they're, right. like, digging up this idea of, like, oh, I'm so fucked up in this way that's, like, doesn't it make you want to go home with me for the night? Like, I'm <laughs> right, such yeah. a bad dude. Kind of, and it's, like, okay, enough. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's almost like people like that, it's... um like and like you said, there there can be places for expressing those sorts of things in art mm -hmm. and even outside of art, uh, if it is if it if it can be therapeutic or if it opens a yeah. discussion or a discourse. But I feel like a lot of people just put it out there to shine the spotlight back on them, like pity me, have like take pity exactly. on me, please. And especially nowadays, when you know, um, and and obviously this discussion actually is interesting in regards to pop punk as as a whole, in terms of the kind of like parallels that you can make between that and some of what's problematic about the beat generation. But you know, I think that by the time that pop punk was a thing, it's certainly fair to say that a lot of these like tropes of the kind of like self-loathing deadbeat male being romanticized in some way those tropes were already so firmly established that the thing is like you have men coming to this who don't even actually have to go through the process of like fucking up their life and then coming around to this weird sort of like mixed self-loathing and self-deification they jump straight to that second step because right. they're growing mm -hmm. up on the stuff and before they're even old enough to like have made any of these mistakes they're like damn it'll be so cool to be a like brooding alcoholic like ladies man when i'm an adult and and i really want to i really want to use and abuse women too and like right. that's so cool 
Um, <laughs> and I mean, certainly that is a problem that has has plagued pop punk as a genre, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah for yeah. sure. <laughs> like um, men who really build their entire identities around the idea of having difficult and problematic relationships with women and who identify with having you know like yeah is yeah presents problems <laughs> for sure okay so given all of that what, what do you think this band is gonna sound like yeah i mean maybe i'm just um tainted by having this whole conversation but <laughs> i i now i'm <laughs> i don't know i i'm I'm leaning towards thinking that there's going to be a uh, um, probably solely because I'm like reading and projecting misogyny onto this cover now that okay. I am I'm imagining it's going to sound like brand new. Okay. Um, a band who certainly suffer from all of the problems that we've been yes. discussing. Mm -hmm, um, true, as much yeah. as they, that song has got some stone cold jams um, and I love some brand new songs, but they are deeply, deeply, uh, misogynistic um, you know what I think problems, they, but yeah. yeah what i think is really interesting I'd, I'd have to go back and listen for sure but i think without fail every single guest who's appeared on this season has brought up brand new at some point in the discussion really? apropos yeah. of nothing because i don't i never really listen to them but it's somehow they're always like oh yeah brand new and it's always that yeah great music but like they always there's always the caveat which is understandable uh -huh. but i think it's so interesting that a lot of the people who come on to talk about this label also have some sort of take on on brand you know it's 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 interesting it it's it's almost as if people who grew up being into punk and pop punk have some sort of uh internalized baggage and demons regarding misogyny <laughs> that they need hmm. to to uh, try to exercise interesting by uh presenting <laughs> uh, critical viewpoints in a public forum um i mean i don't know if that's what's happening but it's possible that there are a lot of men who like this kind of music who are <laughs> trying to uh, get work some things out hmm. um i'll have to think deeper about that yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, so you think it's going to sound like brand new. Uh, this is the song Sophia on the Stereo by the Benjamins from The Art of Disappointment. Hit it. I forgot about this long intro. Jesus. I was just about to make a joke that I'd be very shocked if the whole song sounded like that. I, I wouldn't say that I was bang on, mm -hmm. but I don't think I was far off either. Okay. Um, no, the vocals are pretty similar. Yeah, and well, like and something about guys. the way that the guitar has a kind of um, groove is the wrong word, but a sort of um, sort of like lurching or looping aspect to it that okay. like makes me think uh, very much of like brand new and Taking Back Sunday type of guitar riffs. Okay. That, to me have that same kind of sonic quality um 
the the vocals like you say brian there's there's definitely a relationship there but they also sound very um uh and all american rejects do this too but it, they they sound like they're doing uh the voice that um people do when they're like making fun of uh philadelphia accents <laughs> is okay. like the register that that, that this person sings in to me um yeah to me it just sounds like it's very nasally and whiny it's like it sounds like something like it's just very it's yeah right up here well and i think that that's the thing like certainly it feels like they're trying to ape that kind of like you know nardcore descended hyper nasal california pop punk yeah vocal register but i think where it gets kind of philadelphia -y for me is that in that nasalization the way that they pronounce certain um vowels um feels kind of like uh i don't know if either of you guys have ever listened to uh uh tom sharpling's the best show um no that, uh -uh. that he does with john worcester but john worcester does this character called philly boy roy who is just mm -hmm. like a, a caricature of, of philadelphia folks and that's like that's what i hear in in this voice it, okay. it's very much like you know you know i'm on the phone you know i'm drinking some <laughs> i'm drinking some water kind of water sound to water yeah um, <laughs> yeah all right okay well i mean i think that does it for this week and thus um yeah. you know our first collection again marston thank you so much for joining us this week and nearly every week um seriously we really appreciate it it's absolutely been a pleasure i you know it's it's always nice chatting with you guys and um I think as, I as much it. as old. yeah, me too. Well, well, yeah, I mean, still chat to me anyways. It'll be nice oh, to sure, talk to yeah, you guys yeah. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. You know, keep in touch and, you know, maybe I'll be back on sometime in the future, but you know, um, yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah. thanks for adding so much to our podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right, Brian, there's a number of reasons that I selected this um, record to talk about at the end, but I am at this juncture going to pretend that i picked this album uh because this is a wisconsin band they they hail from your your home state i knew that actually yeah, yeah. i'd never heard of them before this podcast okay but i was reading about them today and i was like oh this band's from milwaukee they are yeah weird and it kind of makes sense they do sound like a milwaukee band okay so tell let's yeah. tell me what is what is a mil like i mean what what does a Milwaukee band sound like? Oh, uh, that's actually hard. Yeah, I, I should have said that. That's kind of hard to describe. Is that is it is that a real thing or? No, to know to to me, just like I I heard it and I was like, oh yeah, that does sound like that's kind of sound like a Milwaukee band, sort of. Okay. Like, sort of like in a, in a negative way. So I sort of rolled my eyes, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so because on previous episodes you've seems like you have maybe a complicated or love-hate relationship with milwaukee as far as music goes you're am i inferring that you think milwaukee bands are not are not good because i know you like madison hardcore right what what about madison hardcore well you i know you like that and s somehow that's different than milwaukee anything i suppose like what is, is milwaukee known for a certain type of music or um not really um just sounded it just sounded like a band that like um i don't know i'm kind of on the fence about this record okay because i do kind of like it but i was reading about the band members 
And it turns out they just kind of went on to do bigger and better things. Like other like other guy went on to be a permanent member of Maritime, mm-hmm. the Milwaukee band who were really who were actually really good. Okay. And then other guy joined Limbeck, who aren't a Milwaukee band, but are really, really insanely good. Yeah, that, I think that was the drummer. And then I'm trying because I was reading about them as well today, but I don't remember the which band. But I know that one of them went on to let's see, they went on to film form a band with members of the Promise Ring. Okay, formed Versa. And I know you've talked about the Promise Ring on this pod before, I believe, right? Yeah, the best Milwaukee band. Yeah. Okay, so that is a Milwaukee band. Yeah. So best Milwaukee band. The best Milwaukee band. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, and that was the drummer. So he formed Versa with members of the Promise Ring, and then later he went on to be in Limbeck as well. So yeah, he's had quite quite a career after this. So okay, so you saying- yeah, this this uh, this album kind of felt like a logical stepping stone to those other bands. Okay, I guess um, even though they, they might, the members might not have any influence on what their other bands sounded like. Um, I did think this was kind of some solid, like late '90s, like straightforward, like rock, like radio rock. Even though it came out in 2001, right? Yeah, February of 2001. Yeah, so it's a little, little behind the times. Okay. But um, overall, it was it was it was really inoffensive. It didn't offend my ears. It didn't make me want to turn it off halfway through so it's not the worst thing we've had to endure this season oh for for sure yeah <laughs> not even close okay but you it's not like you on the same hand you didn't like find it, it didn't really particularly it didn't really blow my mind no okay yeah i think this i mean I, the, the real reason that i saved this for the the end is because this is by far my favorite drive-through release and that huh. and that includes like i mean bands that you know that i like absolutely love like something corporate newfound glory like all those records are great but for whatever reason i was always really drawn to this one i think this is like a a really good record so you like this more even more than something corporate um more than audio boxer audio boxer audio boxer Audio boxer. Audio boxer. Yeah, more than that one, which is the 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 one with the drive through release number. I I don't, I probably, oh, okay. don't like, probably don't like it as much as say uh, leaving to the window or north. But sure, yeah, sure. it's certainly better than audio boxer. Uh-huh. Actually, I didn't say audio boxer again. Yeah, audio boxer. Yeah. Um. So. But so what? So what makes this your favorite release? Then, like. Because I didn't really, I didn't take a whole lot away from this. You didn't take a whole lot away from it. I think it didn't, it didn't sound like any like it wasn't like particularly unique or. Well, see, and maybe I just hadn't explored enough other things, but I think that his vocal delivery is really. I think it's unique, but um, it seems like in the the opening. Marston had predicted it would sound like brand new, and then he said he felt like he was right. And I never got into brand new enough to to say that I agree or disagree. But to me, this uh, was a really unique well, vocal sound. Time. Yeah, this is the perfect time to be getting into brand new. Maybe I'll just <laughs> throw some money their way, uh, buy all their records, and just really dive deep. Uh, I mean, but I think you've probably. I mean, I know you've listened to brand new more than me. Uh, does yeah. it sound like brand new? No. Okay. 
do you feel it? Because to me, it's like the vocals that are one of the things that really drew me into this. I think he's got um, a really unique voice. Yeah, okay. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, And it's it's like whiny in it, the good yeah. way. Yeah, okay. It, 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 yeah, it's definitely whiny in a good way. And um, I just thought that, um, I mean, I just think they're, it's, it feels like they're radio 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 ready kind of like you said it sounds like late 90s radio stuff i feel like if they had been discovered by a major label uh three or four years earlier like you said they probably would have had a lot of success yeah i think what's lacking though from this album is the one big hit okay that's probably why we never heard them on the radio yeah maybe um so so where did any song stand out to you at all or was it all no. just kind of there no it was always kind of there man yeah um i don't know I, I was i kept waiting for one to come up and nothing nothing's really stuck with me well now i also had said because they only have one other release or not even a release they have one other song on drive through which is on the welcome to the sample or welcome to the family compilation which i which i thought was one of the better sorry to interrupt but i thought that was mm. one of their better songs yeah i think that's probably my favorite song of theirs i thought that was a really good song yeah same and i'm i i mean we've we had our moment with constantine but aside from like a song like that i'm not a fan of like super long songs and the 3720 to one um the song from the comp is like six minutes long but I do, it doesn't feel like six minutes right and that's the mark of a good song, right? If, if, if it doesn't, if it's really long, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, no, I th I think so. Um, so I I don't know why I never did this before, and I wish I had pulled this up before we got on. But I actually went back. Uh, have you ever used the Wayback Machine? Yeah. And I found their website from two thousand one, which I thought was. Uh, kind of funny just because this is like it's a band that has almost zero history and that's because they broke up like the same year this record came out oh okay um yeah so the record came out february of 2001 and then they broke up november of that same year mm -hmm. and so i was looking at their their old site here and of course none of the pictures were cached but i just thought it was kind of interesting looking at one thing I thought was interesting was the, the tour. Uh, so they played the Warp Tour that year, and they came through Salt Lake City. Um, but there was another one. I'm not sure. It might have been. There was another website I was looking at that had a, a tour from this year. They actually played in Salt Lake City and toured kind of out west with I, with Sum 41, which I thought was really weird. Like they opened oh, for cool. Sum 41. Oh, they played Summerfest. That makes sense. Yeah. It's America's largest music festival. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's right there in Milwaukee. The world's largest music festival. Really? Yeah, it's like two weeks long. Oh, wow. Okay. Still going? Yep. Well, I'll I mean, not... After the not, pandemic. I yeah, assume. still going after the, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's going to be in the, in the fall this year. Okay. Uh, have you been to it before? Many times, yeah. Okay. I saw three eleven one year. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I just thought it was interesting to kind of look back at at this stuff and see how it's 
maybe one thing that kind of interests me was like how much the internet has changed in 20 years. For sure. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, they have a story here about Laser 103 names the Benjamins the band of the week. Uh, I've got something here about claiming that drive through Records is telling them they need to release some songs before the album drops so that people can hear the music. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. I, I was just kind of really interested by this. And like I said, they broke up in, in November. I found the post that the lead singer posted just saying like, yeah, we're not on the same page as a band, so we can't really do this anymore. I, was like, okay. I read on the Wikipedia that uh, they, they initially denied having broken up. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I think I think I'm looking at a snapshot from a little bit too early, but uh, let's just go find the statement here. This is from November 27th, 2001. Hey kids, I was hoping I'd never have to write this note to you, but shit happens. There were rumors going around that our band broke up recently and we denied them. They weren't true. We were taking some time off to write new music and chill out. The more we thought about it, however, the more we realized that the Four of us aren't on the same page and haven't been on for a long time. So yeah, they definitely. I mean, he admits right here they were denying these rumors, but in the end, it turned out to be true. So, damn. I mean, do you think based on? I mean, they've got one one record. Do you think they could have been bigger if they kept going, or do you think? Um, I mean, what do you do? You think this could have been the beginning of something, or do you think no, don't, you didn't even hear really. anything there? Okay. I, I really didn't hear anything special. If I was if I was an A and R guy, I would have passed on them. Okay, so there's no no chance of being signed to touring tapes then. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Fuck Milwaukee. Fuck Milwaukee. Okay. <laughs> and he signed it here. Take it sleazy, which is take it sleazy. That's a little cringy. That is, yeah. Is their logo just the nautical star like that? I don't know. That's really weird. I don't think so. That's not what I expected them to look like either. I mean, he even tells them, he calls them four chubby drunks from Milwaukee. I mean, that's what they look like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um. I feel like I read one review of the album saying that it was uh, that Weezer fans would be happy about it. Like I forget what uh, publication mm-hmm. that was in, but it, they got like Weezer vibes from it. So maybe that's maybe that's why I like it. Maybe that's why you don't. I mean, do you hear Weezer in this? Um, a little bit if I if I squinted hard enough, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I've like largely forgot what this sounded like. So <laughs> you forgot when we get to the video. Like, did yeah. when did you listen to it? Um, earlier today. And you've already forgotten. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, I think that Couch was a really good opener. I thought Sophia on the stereo is probably the one that would be like radio ready. Uh, but I can't pick just one. It's it's one that's no skips for me. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow, this so this is a this is we're ending the season with a classic dividing opinion. I like it. Yeah, and this was one because I mean I've told the story a thousand times about my how I started collecting the records, but this was one I got before I got into that. Like I had picked up "Leaving to the Window" and "Newfound Glory's self-titled album, and I was like, okay, I like drive-through bands, perfect. And the next one I found in the record store, the CD store, or whatever, was the Benjamins. I was like, oh yeah, I remember the song from the comp, so I'll 
get this and put it on. And again, I just thought it was incredible. So this wasn't even one that I like found because I was like, okay, I've got to go buy all of them or whatever. Like I, I just found it and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I think, I think it stands up still. Um, but I'm sure it's a, a nostalgia thing, but I, I, I can't, I, there's not enough that I can say about this one. Uh, I like how we both have our own like sto- like origin story that we keep going back to with drive through records. Yeah. And they both, it sounds like they both kind of involve a, a record store. Like I can still picture the record store. It's not there anymore because, you know, streaming, but like I can still picture it. I remember standing in it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a very visceral memory for me. Hmm. All right. Well, shall we get into the videos then? Uh, yeah. Okay. So there's like, because they put out one record before the internet was really um, big, there's pretty much no videos of them. Um, That's not a super popular band. There's not a lot of covers. They did um, get back together a few times over the years, mainly for one-off shows. Um, So I've got a few live videos from that. So here they are playing Couch at Turner Hall in Milwaukee in January of 2014. I saw the promise ring there. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the softest band in rock and roll, the Benjamins. They look really old. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like, especially this drummer. Like, he looks like he's in, maybe he is in his 50s. I don't know. I mean, these, these guys were adults <laughs> when they put out the, the album 20 years ago. So, but yeah, I mean, they just look like a, a middle aged rock band. Yeah, they sure do. They always sound like a middle aged rock band. <laughs> so, you're saying they finally they grew into their sound? Yeah, they finally, yeah. I see earlier, I thought, I thought it was. Um, they were behind the times, but no, it's just one of those things that we grow into. Okay. Uh, all right. So it's, again, pretty much all the live videos are from this show. Here they are playing 3,720 to one. Thank you for coming. Yeah. This is the same show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. they i mean not really musically but like lyrically it kind of reminds me of motion city soundtrack just like singing about these mundane things like i do the dishes make the bed count the numbers in my head that sounds like 
very much like a Motion City soundtrack lyric. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Because I mean, Justin yeah. so often sings like I mean, he just like lists things. Like I think of like everything is all right, where he's like just listing things he's afraid of or things that make yeah, him nervous or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they sound like an opening band. Well, I'm sure they always were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, they're like this is like the ultimate opening band. The ultimate opening band. Yeah. Okay, this is the same show um, from a different angle. This is them playing wonderful Turner Hall, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, January Decent crowd. Yeah, that's what I was about to comment on. They've got uh, a decent sized crowd for uh, a show that came out or that was like 13 years after they broke up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's their hometown, so I would hope they could at least draw yeah. a decent number. It's not like they played like LA or something. Like, right, right. Um, they'd probably play a bar if this was in Madison. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, Maybe I'll try to book him here. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, so this isn't this isn't really a video that I wanted to go on. I just had this video bookmarked because I thought it was a humorous title. According to this uh, Drive Through Records fan account, there was a compilation put out by Drive Through. I've never heard of it. It didn't have a proper release number, but it was called the After Stool Special, and I just found that to be a humorous name. So After Stool <laughs> instead of After School, and the uh, the Benjamins were on that. The after they were on the after stool special. Yeah, they were on the after stool special. It was a mix of drive-through bands and non-drive through bands. Hmm. Um, let's see, they have Newfound Glory, Better Off Dead, Phoenix TX, Threesome, H2O, Memory Lane, H2O, Midtown, Just yes. Rock and Roll, Endure, Nonpoint. Never even heard of that. Nonpoint. Yeah. Do you know this band? <laughs> It's a, they're they're a new metal band. Oh, or are like, they? A, like a rated, like a butt rock band kind of that's like <laughs> huge in Madison, but they're from Florida. And they're called but, Endure. No, they're called Nonpoint. No, Nonpoint's the name of the song. This band is called Endure. Are you sure? I mean, all the other ones listed here, the band and then the song name. Okay. Let's. I mean, let's listen. This is well, Nonpoint. Are really huge here, and I'm in one of their music videos. You're in one of their music videos. Yeah, dude, this is non-point. This is non-point. This is the band non-point. Yeah. Okay, so the whoever uploaded this video just got it. They uh, done goofed, fuckers. Okay, well let's stop. You're saying that you're in a music video. Yeah, they they're so popular here that they shot one of their music videos here. Okay, what was the song? Can I find it? I can't remember the name of it. I think we got cut out of it. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Did you were you just like in the background or did you have like uh... we were we thought we were gonna be in the background and then like the final shot is everyone turns around, so people in the back are now in the front. Okay. And me and my friend were not non point fans at all. We, we thought we just wanted we went we went as a joke. Okay. And so this was not a band that you liked then? No. Okay, but they're popular in Madison. We, we, we waited in line to be in one of the music videos because they're shooting in the, the video down the street from where we live. All yeah. right. Did you get paid? No. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure we got cut out of it. Okay, let's uh, let's get into covers. We are going to start with our final Nightcore from Make Belief. As always, follow him on Twitter at Make Belief Music. Um, and he has done so and follow us on Twitter too. We don't really say that. I know. I was actually thinking that today. Like, follow us on Twitter. It's always in the description, but I'm sure no one reads the description. We're we're on Twitter at ZG Lab Pod. We're also on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash slash ZG Lab Pod. Um, I think our episode about the royal family is probably the, the best thing we've ever recorded. So if for nothing else, uh, put down your money for that one. Yeah, you I mean you just got to, presumably, depending on where you live, you, you, you got your Biden bucks. Yeah. And it's just $3 a month, for God's sake. Okay. Uh, so Skylar has done Sophia on the stereo for us, and this is a Nightcore version. All right. <laughs> I liked it. All right. This is a band called Eminent uh, doing a cover of the same song we just heard, Sophia on the Stereo. Now, look, when I see this artwork, what do you think this, like, I wish Marzoon could look at this because this is insane artwork. This is not, like, this looks like it's going to be some sort of weird metal band or something. Like, Yeah, it looks like it could be a New York hardcore band logo. Yeah, because it's like a yin-yang and then it says eminent and it looks like it's like graffiti or something and then it's got these two dragons sticking out of a... It's so sick. It's pretty good, yeah. But like, um, this does not sound like it looks. Yeah, I was too. Maybe it gets harder towards the middle. Let's see here. Modest? Didn't even pronounce the word modest right. It's a modest melody. So, I mean, this was like literally one of the only covers on the internet. So, I mean, thank you for providing us content, Eminent. This is from September 6, 2009. Make better music, though. Make music that sounds like your logo. Yeah, agreed. Okay, um, here is someone doing an acoustic cover of 3,720 to 1, which was, of course, the one from the comp. That's why I told you to listen to it, since like half of the content I found was this song. <laughs> This is Jason Hammer from 
2011. This is for the good of the universe. I can't believe. He's got an alkaline trio sticker on his guitar. Oh, wow. The chance so begins in this year. Sorry, what was that? I was just saying, he's got a lot of stickers on his guitar. He does. He's got a Vans one. There's one that says Suck It 2010. Oh, he must have graduated in 2010. Oh, but it looked like a, like it was a parody of like a politics. See that right there? Suck it 2010. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I don't know who, wh- which party we were telling to suck it in 2010. Um, I did both. <laughs> As usual. Mm. Okay. All right. Here's a. This is a really weird cover of the song "Doctor Frank Was Right." It's uh, one guy doing all the parts, and he's filmed it in a really weird way. This is Christian Robertson from 2019. And he's filmed it and then like put some filter over it that makes it look like he's an illustration. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not what I thought he was going to sound like. No. Good morning, sunshine. Did you dream about me? And what the hell's in the way of our two days? So that was that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I did not expect that voice coming out of that guy. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the end of the actual section that has anything to do with the Benjamins. I did find some other interesting things but, um, when, I, when I searched Art of Disappointment cover. The mm-hmm. first one is this uh, fourth grade little girl singing a song called There's No Disappointment in Jesus. Hmm. I don't know. I think that Jesus actually mastered the art of disappointment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, uh, this little girl would disagree. This is from March 2012. So I, I don't know why these things come up. Uh, I found a song called, this song is actually called Art of Disappointment by Ashley Aparicio. Okay. Um, so this is from 2018. So I don't know if the it's just a coincidence or if she named it after this album. Sounds like CD I'd buy at a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. Nora Jones ass. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. I was like, who's this sound like? It's definitely, yeah, Nora Jones. 
Some Nora Jones ass shit. Um, all right, let's end it on this one. This is a band called Merp. Um, and Merp. It appears, Merp. And it appears to be two Merp. Uh, two children named Erilyn and Izzy. And this is an original composition they have written called Zombie Skin. And we've got a little girl here. She's wearing like fairy wings and it appears to be her brother in the background playing drums. Damn, this is hardcore. Right? This is better than New Hatebreed. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me, but I'll take your word for it. So that's Merp. Merp. I think that was badass. One of the best things we watched on this podcast. I agree. I think that's a, a good a good cover to, to kind of wrap up uh, uh, this album with. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, final thoughts on on this album, The on Art of Disappointment album. by the Benjamins. Um, I think having gone through this journey and the, with this album, I, I've grown to appreciate it, have, okay. no, knowing more about it. And having watched videos like Merp. <laughs> Which and, has nothing uh, to do with the Benjamins. No, but I think going on this journey together made me appreciate the uh, the album a little, a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I still fucking think this is sick. It's, I think, the best album that Drive Through put out. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Okay, so now that we've gotten through our talk about um, the Art of Disappointment by the Benjamins. I guess that brings us to uh, maybe the the last reason that we chose this as the last episode. Um, we had gone back and forth for a little while, Brian, about whether this should be the last one and what we wanted to include in this one. And then you kind of had this, I guess, aha moment maybe that um, I think it would be fitting that the last episode be called The Art of Disappointment um, for, for a, a specific reason. Um, so we're, we're going to drop in a guest spot here. And normally we don't give any sort of introduction, I guess, to, to our guest spots. We thought it was probably uh, necessary for this one. So back on December 6th of 2020, Brian and I sat down. Well, we didn't sit down. We uh, had a Zoom call with Mr. Scott Heisel, a former writer for the Associated Press. Alternative Press. Alternative Press, the Associated Press. Like that. <laughs> I mean, maybe he wrote for the Associated Press. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know his complete resume. Right. Yeah, I grew up reading him in Alternative Press. Alternative Press, or one of those APs. So, yeah, he was a writer <laughs> for the Alternative Press. Um, and we had talked with him because at the beginning of this pod, I had reached out to a few people um, about doing, you know, possible guest spots. And they had... Uh, pointed me in the direction and I just want to say none of those people ever appeared on the pod um so I don't it's I don't want anyone to, to listen back and think they can figure out who may have um put us in this direction but basically that um Mr. Heisel 
had uh, had a, a few tweets from uh, a number of years ago, 2017, I believe, basically calling out Richard Rains, the owner and founder of Drive Through Records, um, for some allegations from a number of years ago. Uh, well, we'll put that in now. I mean, Brian, is there anything else you think that our listeners need to be aware of before before they hear this? Yeah. So what what so what we're about to hear, what you're about to hear is something we didn't know about until, like you said, December sixth. So that's when we talked to Scott. Um, the the allegations you'll hear in within the interview, um, we were made aware of maybe a week before that, and it was literally, I believe, the day before we recorded. Our episode Our first zero. episode, right? Oh, yeah, that's that, episode zero, yeah. Yeah, that's when I was made aware of it, and then I mentioned it to you, um, I think that same day, because we were doing some testing with our audio. And so, yeah, we had no idea that any of this was happening up until that point. Actually, I had heard about these allegations, but I didn't I didn't know it was drive-through specifically. Okay. So I didn't uh, put the two and two together. Okay, yeah. For the longest time. But yeah, so you're going to hear the allegations, and then... Just think about us hearing those right before we go to uh, record episode zero. Yeah, so we've known about this the whole podcast. We have, and we'll, we'll talk about it after the interview. Like, this is not yeah. the end, so. Okay, so we will put that in now. Welcome to the Zeitgeist Lab. Uh, Scott Heisel. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Great. So um, before we get into, like, uh, what you're here to talk about today, I thought maybe you'd give our listeners a little bit of background just like on who you are. And um, I, as I've told you, this kind of first season of our podcast kind of revolves around drive through records and the artists of drive through records. So maybe some background on who you are and how how you're in that uh, sphere to, to be able to talk about drive through records. Sure. So I've been writing uh, in a professional capacity for 22 years, uh, which is a long time considering I'm not even 40 yet. <laughs> uh, I was doing zines when I was in high school. I, in 2001, was brought aboard the editorial staff at punknews.org, the website, and did that for about three and a half or so years and was then hired uh, in 2004 by Alternative Press, uh, where I worked as their, one of their in-house editorial staff for 10 and a half years. So I worked at AP from 2004 to 2014. And then from 2015 to 2016, I was editor in chief of a magazine called Substream, which is a similar kind of in content and scope. And then since then I've been teaching music uh, at School of Rock uh, in oh, Cleveland. That's wow. where I live in Cleveland, Ohio. So I teach uh, voice and I teach uh, all sorts of different music there. So, so yeah, so I've been kind of entrenched and then along the way I've been in bands and booked shows and all, you know, did radio and all that stuff. So this has kind of been my, the scene has kind of been my life uh, as long as I've known what my life was, I guess. So, okay, cool. So yeah. what is, what is your, um, what is your relationship with drive through records? And I guess to start off with, I mean, like, um, what, uh, what's your history with the knowing about them or their artists? Like, is it a, a label that you followed a lot? Did you write about them a lot? Sure. Yeah. So I definitely was aware of drive through pretty early on. I remember I saw, um, River Phoenix, gosh, they were my first show at the Metro in Chicago. I grew up in Illinois. And the first show I ever went to at the Metro uh, was Homegrown, before they were on drive-through. I was Homegrown, Bucko Nine, and River Phoenix. And uh, that's where I think I may have known 
River Phoenix before that show, but I definitely like went, like we went to the show to see River Phoenix, you know, okay. my friend and I did. And um, yeah, so that was, uh, so I was pretty, I knew about what Drive Thru was doing. Later that summer, I was booking shows and I booked a couple bands off of uh, the early Drive Thru days. I booked a band called Last Summer and I booked a band called Caught Inside who were two, and I also booked Alistair too. Um, so those are like some of the early, early, early drive-through bands. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I kind of knew about what was happening back then. Um, like I had the original RX bandits when they were the pharmaceutical bandits, I had like that CD yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, you know, so I was there pretty much from the beginning, I think in terms of what nice. they were doing. Okay. Um, I never, I never got the drive, the, the Duran Duran compilation. I always wanted to buy them. I never got that, but, uh, okay. but yeah, so I've been, I've been following them kind of ever since and, uh, covered them pretty extensively during kind of their boom period in the early two thousands, uh, was threatened with a lawsuit, uh, by Richard and Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> so that was fun. So yeah, we've had, we've had our, our history. So, so when did you first come to meet, uh, Richard or Stephanie, if you didn't meet them at the same time or. I have, have you met them? Met, I've okay. never met either one of them personally. I've never even exchanged. I maybe exchanged emails with one of them like literally 20 years ago. Okay. Um, but I've never spoken to either one of them ever. I couldn't even, I mean, I know what they look like, but I couldn't even, like, I've never even like stood in the same crowd as far as I know. Okay. Um, they've never talked to me and introduced themselves to me. So that happened a lot back then because everything was happening on computers. And so, yeah. you know, if I'm in Illinois and they're in California, the odds of us being in the same place at the same time are pretty nil. I was just a 19 year old kid. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I've never, to my knowledge, ever spoken to either one of them. In okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. The, the main reason I was interested in talking to you is as we kind of started getting ready to plan what we wanted to talk about for this podcast um, I had reached out to some, some people uh, in the industry to see if they would be interested in talking about drive through records. And these are artists um, who, who want to go unnamed, which is fine. And one of them specifically had kind of said that, you know, while drive through records and a lot of the music they put out was great. And you know, obviously a lot of the bands you just mentioned are touchstones of what maybe the record label uh, contributed to the pop culture at large. They said there may be some weird things going on at drive through and, um, maybe not the, the best practices in terms of, I guess, how to run a business or maybe even uh, mm. people, you could even argue. And they pointed me towards a, a Twitter uh, post that you had made, I believe in about November, 2017. Uh, mm. And it was essentially, a, basically what you were saying was why, why hasn't Richard been canceled yet because of some allegations um, that I guess are known by, it sounds like more than just you, but I was hoping oh, maybe you could. Yeah, it's been a very, it's not even a secret. Like that's the thing, it's, it's been a part of his MO for literally two decades. Okay. Uh, and I, I have, uh, when I first made that post, I didn't realize how big it was. I knew it had happened and I knew it had happened to a lot of people I knew, but I never realized to what extent it had continued and still does to more or less this day. Uh, I still, every week or two, get new people DMing me saying like, this happened to me, this happened to me. Like it's the exact same story every time. So. Wow. I first started hearing, so just to kind of talk about what that is, like the, yeah. the story as that, that made the rounds back in the early 2000s. And there were, there were a bunch of rumors about Richard and Stephanie, um, which were always went, there were always kind of weird rumors that people just spread, right? And that's what the scene did. It was a very gossipy scene. They 
were very good at being petty too, which I think kind of helped the rumor mill because like they would be really petty and shitty toward people who crossed them. So they were always kind of at the front of this drama, you know, whether it was them with another band or them with a record, like the record label or whatever it was, there's always drama surrounding drive-through. Uh, but the one rumor that persisted forever and ever and ever was that Richard would make musicians who were interested in signing with drive-through walk on his back. And uh, I heard this firsthand from a number of bands that had signed to the label. I had heard from a number of bands who had met with the label and then turned them down to sign elsewhere. Uh, bands that are very large bands that still have careers that uh, have uh, in the past gone on record about this, um, as well as a lot of bands who have not gone on the record about it, but it's kind of an open secret. Um, so he, I've seen chat transcripts from Instant Messenger. I've seen photos that were taken surreptitiously of people in bands walking on his back. Uh, for a brief moment in time, back in gosh, 2007 or something, there was a MySpace page that was made that was like Richard's back walking page or whatever. And it was there oh. for a brief moment in time. Um, and so all this has been kind of this open thing for literally two decades. and. It's a weird, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if it's a cancelable offense. It, okay. No one has yeah. ever said, I mean, no one has ever said to me, and I've had literally countless people at this point talk to me who I, you know, I didn't know before this, as well as people I did know. Um, no one has ever said to me that it was overtly sexual in nature. No one has ever said to me that they, that there was anything beyond that, right? But that it, at its base level, when I look at it, it is a gross mismanagement of power. The, the power dynamic yes. of a 30-something or at this point 40-something, or he might be in his 50s now, I don't even know how old he is, telling a 17-year-old boy or a 16-year-old boy, come to my hotel room, bring you. So what he would do is he would bring bands to his hotel room if you were on the road or to his house if they, if they were in California. And he would, or I think New Jersey for a time period, he had a house out there too. Um, and he would bring them in, he'd have them bring their demo or their EP or whatever it was, and he would put it on in whatever his stereo was, and then lie down on the ground and make a member of the band that was chosen ahead of time walk up and down his back for the entirety of the listening session. And okay. he would then give notes as he was listening, like, oh, you need to make this chorus longer, or trim off this bridge, or blah, 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 whatever. Like, he would okay. offer feedback as they were doing this, which... You know, if you are 16 in 2002 and you love Newfound Glory and Finch and something corporate, you're right. like, well, okay, I'll walk in some dude's back, whatever. Like he's going to possibly sign my band, you know, maybe we'll be the next whatever. So you don't realize at that age, especially if you're a 16 year old boy, your brain is nowhere near developed at that point. You don't understand yeah. that you're being taken advantage of. You don't understand that this man is 100%, you know, uh, uh, preying on you you know, taking advantage of your, of your naivete. And uh, so it happened time and time and time and time and time again. Um, I don't know when the practice started. Uh, I can't tell you like what the first band to do it was. Okay. But I know that as of the early 2000s, it had been a part of his routine. Uh, and so there were things, like I said, catalogs that were talking about, you know, a, a member of the band here wasn't someone too heavy or too skinny. Uh, they had to wear a certain type of socks because he had a certain preference for socks. So it's all these little things Ugh. that certainly feel wrong, right? It feels icky, like Brian just, you know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just feels wrong. And 
And clearly, if you are a consenting adult and you want to walk across your partner's back and they're consenting too, then knock yourself out. But like, this is done under the, the pretext of, oh, this is good for your career. Everyone does this, right? It's right. kind of like a more, a, a, a more safe for work version of the casting couch mentality in Hollywood. Sure. Where you know, yeah. like, oh, hey, every, everybody does this, right? But again, I've never had someone, just to reiterate, because I'm in case Richard or his lawyer is listening, I've never had someone say to me that it proceeded beyond that, that there was never any sexual impropriety. It just always has sounded and felt uncomfortable to me and, and, and uh, you know, taking advantage of, of impressionable people. Yeah. So, yeah, because I've been a big drive through fan since um, 2001. And so I've, like, I've collected all their... Uh, uh, their releases and I, I don't know how I missed this I'm uh, admittedly not big on like scene gossip or anything like that I just like listening to the music so when I first heard mm -hmm. about this um, your post from a few years ago it kind of floored me because I had no idea but it sounds like what you're saying is this is more or less like to even call it a secret is probably inaccurate because you're saying it's just widely accepted or widely like there's firsthand accounts that are out there and accepted or what is yeah the i think i think with within the industry within the music industry okay. it was known right it was a known quantity you know and what's interesting now is that it still happens is that he's i mean he's still a manager he manages that band called nothing but thieves yes uh, -huh. uh who i know they had their own like weird me too thing the other year i think i think that's what actually led me to posting about Richard the first time was that something, I think someone in that band was accused of something. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so he, so it's, it's, he's still maintained some semblance or level of power. It's again, a, a much more, uh, a much smaller version of like the Harvey Weinstein thing where like everyone knows he's shitty. Everyone knows he takes advantage of people, okay. but because he is a power player, people kind of like look past it. Right. You know, um, so it's, yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, any band that has ever worked with drive through knows about this, you know, okay. or, or managers or booking agents. I mean, it's very common knowledge in terms of that, that corner of the scene, you know, whether the average 15 year old who went to the drive through invasion tour knew, I doubt it, but right, everyone yeah. backstage probably knew. Okay. So you had mentioned both here at the top and in some of our communication over the last week or so. That Richard and Stephanie had tried to file a lawsuit against you. Is that correct? Is that yeah. in, is so, that in regards to these allegations, or is this not at all? It, no. it is the most benign thing in the world. So if I can take you back to, I want to say it was two thousand two, whenever Midtown's Living Well is the Best Revenge was coming out, which I think was two thousand two, right? So uh, um, uh, maybe yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think I want to say it was April two thousand two. Okay. Um, so leading up to that. Midtown, a few months prior to that, had done an interview with uh, a website called AbsolutePunk.net, which isn't around anymore. Um, and they were kind of like the Pepsi to Punk News is Coke. We were kind of like the same thing at the same time, right? Um, kind of like, you know, the blue and the red, the two sides of the, of the same coin. And so um, both these sites were very, very heavily involved in covering all this stuff. And so somebody from Absolute Punk had done an interview with uh, Midtown. I think it was Jason Tate who did the interview. And uh, Gabe, and I want to say it was Tyler, just talked incredible amounts of shit on drive-thru because they were officially now on MCA. They yeah, that was a big full, deal. Right, between, yeah, for a while, Midtown and Richard specifically seemed to have an ax to grind with each other over the whole yes. drive-thru for MCA thing. 
Right, right, right. And so this kind of goes back to that whole like drama, like they always found and kind of manufactured drama too, right? They were yeah. very dramatic people. There was always a story coming out. Okay. Um, so, the, so this interview, Gabe and I believe it was Tyler talked a ton of shit and it picked, you know, it, that was a huge thing. Like, you know, at that point you would have like the drive-through family, like the compilation stuff like that, you know, like welcome to the family. So you thought it was like this kind of you know, insulated thing, you know, that it was, that was a family vibe. So to have a band, like one of their first bands break ranks and be like, no, fuck these people. And here's why, you know, was huge. And so I believe I wrote up like a recap of what had happened in this interview and like linked to it or whatever and said, Hey, you take this out. And then of course, you know, internet comments being what they are, people just start continuing the shit talk in on drive through. Right. And okay. so our website, punk news got threatened with a lawsuit by drive-through by Richard and Stephanie for, I don't know if they said libel or whatever they said, it was some ridiculous thing. And they want us to like, their, their lawyer was like, you need to delete the comments and then turn over the IP addresses and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, no, like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, we're, we're like 19 year olds, we're not gonna do this, you know? <laughs> so 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 we, we so we decided internally to follow their, their, uh, their, their lawyer's communication to the letter, which was the first thing was delete the comments. Okay. So we did. And then it said, turn over their IP address. We said, we can't do that. We deleted the comments, sorry. So right. that was the editor, right? And so then that was our little like, kind of like, fuck you, piss in the wind thing. Um, okay. And we never, heard, I don't think we ever heard from him again. Uh, we did, made the editorial decision at that point to no longer actively cover the label. So we like deleted their like news um, icon, like, you know, cause every label had like their own little icon and stuff, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't punish the bands. If there was a band on drive-thru we wanted to write about, fine, go ahead. But we wouldn't seek out drive-through information or whatever you know so whatever it's it's your kind of moral stand when you're 19 years old and that's what you're going to do so yeah it was just hilarious that like we got threatened with a lawsuit because we posted about somebody else interviewing one of their bands and then people talked it was just it's, it was classic early internet fuckery where like no one knows what you can do it's 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 like the the next level of saying my dad's a lawyer and he'll sue you it's like that kind <laughs> right. of thing, you know what I mean? okay yeah so you know but again, net, but yeah, but never had communication. They never, like we, they never, and, and you know, I, I like to think that, and maybe, maybe, maybe not, because like I was also full of piss and vinegar when I was 19 too. But I like to think that like, if they would have emailed one of us and said, hey guys, like people in your, on your forum are saying really shitty things. Can you do something? We would have done something, right? But because they went to a fucking lawyer and did that total cowardly thing of like involving, you know, a, a guy with a letterhead to threaten you. It's just, it's shitty behavior. And yeah. just yeah. to be clear, whatever, whatever it was that Gabe and Tyler from Midtown had said, none of that even revolved around any like these allegations of the backlog. I don't, I don't believe so. I'd have to go. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. Earlier this year, I think like on a whim, I like, like went on the Internet Archive and found like an old version of that. And there's like an old response you can find somewhere too that like I think Richard or Stephanie, or maybe both of them wrote in response, like point by point, kind of breaking it down. Um, but I don't believe any of it was regarding like the weird rumor. When I when I messaged you last week, I asked, like, is there anywhere I can read any of your writing about this to kind of try to familiarize myself with that? And you said that to to date, no one has given you the opportunity to write about that. Is there? Do you have a theory as to why that is? Is it just because drive through is so passe at this point? Or are they worried about legal action? Or I think I, th there's a couple reasons. I think one. Richard doesn't have that much clout anymore. Uh, I mean, he still is involved. He still manages bands, right? right. Um, so I think that's one thing, but he's not like a kingpin, right? He's not making anyone's careers right now. He's not a forward-facing person. 
Uh Right. So yes, he did these shitty things, but uh, you know, he's just at this point, he's, he's just a guy. Yeah. He works in the industry. So I think that's part of it is that he has a lower profile. So he can kind of slap below the radar. I think number two is like you said, drive through itself is not a thing anymore, right? So what's to be gained by outing all this stuff until people realize that they're going on for 20 years, right? Then you kind of look at that. Um, The third thing is that it's never, I've never had someone tell me it progressed past walking on his back. And so it's kind of that weird gray area where you're like, is this a cancelable offense? Is this a, it's not illegal. Right, he did not. To, uh, to the best of my knowledge, has not broken any laws. Right. No one has accused him of breaking laws. So it's like, what is there to do besides say, "Hey, you know that guy that we thought was a creep? Well, he's a creep, right? Okay. You yeah. know, it's that kind of thing." Right. So I think that's the, the third thing. And then I think the thing that's stopping, you know, so all those things kind of add into getting someone to write about it. So number one, um, I so I worked for Alternative Press for ten years. This is a story we never would have touched, right? Um, AP recently got into hot water, I think it was last year, because they had interviewed a bunch of uh, alleged victims of a singer of a band who had allegedly raped them, right? And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into too deep. I don't know the whole story, right? Right, yeah. But there was a singer of a, there's a very popular singer of a very popular band who had allegedly sexually assaulted and or raped a number of women. And AP investigated the story, took all these women's statements, and then killed the story. All right, and they got into a a, a a gigantic snowstorm of of shit for all this on, on the internet for for having kind of like buried this because AP, you know, at least in the time I worked there, was not in a, really an investigative journalism outlet. We were a mm-hmm. fanzine, right? We were there to kind of you know be the voice of the fan and talk about these things. And it was it was you know if the, if there was something bad, we would try to soften the blow. Like there was a lot of stuff written about things like falling in reverse and Ronnie Radke. And these aren't people that I necessarily agreed with, but like you're taking the fan perspective and saying, well, how is this okay, right? Um, and so they were usually kid gloving with those things. So that's, so the main outlet that would have covered something like this in a perfect world would never have touched it, right? Okay. Not to Matt, not, not to even go into the fact that like, I wouldn't write for them anyway anymore. They wouldn't want me to write for them anymore. We don't, you know, we don't communicate anymore, that outlet and I. Um, beyond that, the there's no big music outlets that would want interest in this spin's yeah. not going to touch it pitchfork doesn't give a shit uh you know uh noisy i think is gone now didn't vice close noisy i feel or something like that I think so that's no, not I there mean. anymore yeah and so i i did uh, a couple of years ago when this first came out i spoke to an old freelance writer of mine who has gone on to very very big things luke o'neill who is uh, a very 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 talented writer and if you don't read his uh his Substack hell world you absolutely should he's amazing and he put me in touch with some uh very higher up people at a very prominent magazine that he's freelanced for um and he got me a meeting with them and we talked on the phone and I pitched the story to them over like an hour or two. And they were super interested in it. They thought this is incredible. And they said, okay, we're gonna run it by our legal team and get back to you. And then they never, ever, ever got back to me. That was it. So I feel like there's still an element of people are afraid to go after somebody unless A, the story is bulletproof. Right. And B, uh, it's going to, in layman's terms, generate enough clicks uh, to to warrant 
the shit they're going to catch from it, legally speaking, right? So like when the New York Times does their expose on Bill Cosby, for example, they know that the amount of shit they'll catch legally from Cosby's lawyers will be offset by the amount of revenue they'll bring in for covering this insane story, right? right. Whereas in this case, Richard never molested or raped or murdered or killed somebody, whatever. He's just a creepy dude who makes, who took advantage of, of young boys in a professional context. Okay. Is it worth whatever bullets he can sling at them to, you know, is, is it going to balance out? Right. That's what I have to imagine happens because it just, it wasn't worth it for them, you know? And so I could report it myself, you know, I could just, I have a sub stack of my own. I use occasionally, I could report it myself, but like, where's the benefit to me? Because that means that he's going to come after me. You know, yeah. he's going to have his lawyer come after me and I don't want, you know, I'm out of that game, man. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a kinder, gentler Scott, man. You get me 10 years ago, I would do this, but like now, you know, unless someone's, you know, writing me a check to like cover my own ass, I, you know, it's sure. one of the stories that just can't be told. So, yeah. Okay. So I guess the last question I'd have, and this is something I've been trying to figure out over the last couple of weeks, um, so I, the idea behind talking about drive-through was first to talk about, I like, I want to talk about the label and how much I admired and respected what they did in terms of getting these, what I consider great musicians in front of the world and getting releases out there. Mm-hmm. But then like, I hear things about this. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to prop a creepy guy up a lot because he's creepy. And so a lot of times right. with things like this, you hear about like, how do you separate the art from the artist? But in, for this, it's it's different because it's not like Richard is the artist. He is, you know, a label executive who did some, who perhaps did some shitty things to help. What's the way to word? He perhaps did some shitty things that if uh, these young boys were willing to do, then got them this stage to thrive uh, in within the industry. So how did to you knowing that he's kind of a creep and has potentially done these things, does that change the way you view the actual music that was put out by the label and the, the respect and admiration you have for any particular artists and what they've accomplished uh, either on drive through or since their time with drive through? It's a really interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I think about brand new and I have not listened to brand new since all the allegations about Jesse Lacey came out a few years ago, which I'm sure you're both aware of. Um, one of one of the allegations from that that whole thing was a close friend of mine that I've had for almost 20 years, and I never knew wow. her story. Oh, I didn't wow. know it until she shared it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, how did I not know? All this time, I've been writing about this band and breathlessly talking about how great they are, blah blah. blah. I never knew that I was hurting you, right? So I, as painful as it was, because that band was super important to me, I cut them. That's it. Right. Because that, I don't need that. There's plenty of bands that aren't fronted by abusers that I can support instead. Sure. You know, um, when it comes to something like this, where it's not like, it's not like Richard wrote progress by RX bandits or wrote, you know, the mother mechanic in the path by early November or wrote whatever, whatever your favorite drive-through release is. Right. He was a guy who had an ear for talent you know, found dashboard, found newfound, found something corporate, found Finch, even though that band I think sucks, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, like that band was such a dopey band, but whatever. They had they had far dopier bands. I mean, if we, we, you want to talk about music on drive through? They had so many dopey bands. Uh, yeah. So like he found like, but he found Jack Antonoff. 
You know what I mean? Like sure. Richard Rains found Jack Antonoff, which is crazy. Yeah, I think that dude's insane. fucking producing Taylor Swift and collaborating with Bruce Springsteen now. And 20 yeah. years ago, he was probably walking on Richard Rains' back, right? So like, that's, <laughs> that's insane, right? That yeah. like, that through line is insane to think of like, the kind of like the six degrees of of, of Richard Rains of like where it's okay. gone, right? Yeah. Um, so does it affect the art? Uh, I mean, I can't say I listen to a lot of drive-through music these days anyway. The bands that made it through, like the bands I used as an example were, were RX Bands in early November. I think both are brilliant bands. You know, um, both bands have gotten fucked uh, by labels at different points. You know, yeah. early November continues to get fucked, whatever label they're on. I, I feel so bad for them because they're the fucking nicest people in the best band. Um, but like, you know, the, it wouldn't make me like turn off I mean, I would turn off Phoenix TX nowadays anyway, because it's just like, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe I like that when I was 20, when I was 16 years old, like, oh God, yeah. the rooster song, that should be, you know, that should be cancelable, right? Yeah. So no, I don't, think, I don't think it changes the fact that the music should still like exist because those bands made that music and, you know, there's no way of ever knowing how much or how little say Richard had in any of those songs or albums, you know? Right. So, and furthermore, he also did this to countless bands that did not sign with the label. You know, right. I've, I think the first time I heard this story, uh, and uh, I believe it was told to me, well, uh, by Matchbook Romance back in 2003. Okay. And uh, they, they, were one, and they weren't on drive-thru. They signed with Epitaph, right? Yeah, right. Um, but they told me that story. And then it was corroborated by a band they were on tour with at that point who was on drive-thru and who, who still is a band. And so I won't name them, but okay. they have a very vocal lead singer. And uh, he's very vocal on Twitter. And so you can probably figure out who it is. Um, he's, I'll, I'll say this, he's definitely not Richard's buddy anymore. If you okay. catch my drift. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like it's, it's dated back that far and it doesn't affect the way I think about those bands. Cause like a yeah. lot of bands have to do a lot of questionable things to get ahead. Like I, I'm sure that there are bands uh, or artists or musicians who have felt uncomfortable because of AP. Right. And hopefully it was something that I did. Hopefully I never made it someone uncomfortable, but I'm, I can think of like photo shoots that we did for the magazine where like musicians were shirtless and I never questioned it. It wasn't for me. I was like, I don't know why we're doing this, but like clearly someone who's higher up than me on the masthead has a vision for this. And it's entirely possible. It could have been personal in nature. It's entirely possible that the band was uncomfortable. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So does that affect the value of AP? I don't know that either. That's, that's for anyone to decide when they think about it. Right. Um, so yeah, I think a long way to answer your question is a short version to answer your question is no, it doesn't affect the way I would think about those bands. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming to talk about this. It's super interesting and it's given me a lot to think about and definitely reframe the way I, I view uh, certainly Richard and Stephanie and the label as a whole. Um, before I let you go, is there anything you, specific you want to plug or anything you're working on right now that our listeners should be aware of? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Heisel. Uh, I tweet about mid nineties emo and pro wrestling. That's pretty much all I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, these days I do a little bit of writing. I'm available for writing. If you're looking for someone to like write a bio for your band or something like that, I'm always available for that. You can always DM me on Twitter. Uh, other than that, I'm just hanging out. I just bought a new house. So I'm just like living in my house, my record collection. And so, you know, it's, it's a good place to spend the pandemic. So that's what I'm doing. All right. So, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so that was our interview with Scott Heisel of the Alternative Press. Um, so before 
uh, Brian and I react to this, I have been advised on just a few things that we need to say here at this time. And uh, I feel like we tried to cover our bases in regards to that during the interview, but just for, for sake of clarity, as Scott mentioned, um, the allegations that he has heard um, are, how do I want to put this? Not, there are no allegations that Richard has done anything illegal, nor has Richard ever been charged with any sort of crime um, or, or any wrongdoing. Because I know, I think that a lot of people would hear that interview and those allegations in the first place they would go is, oh, there's probably a sexual component to it, or it went further than that. And there have never been any sort of allegations of that being the case, either to Scott, um, to the people that I had spoke with uh, completely off the record about this at the time. They also had never heard of any sort of allegation that it went beyond the, uh, the notion of Richard requesting that uh, bands walk on his back. So we, I want to make that clear. I also want to make it clear that as Scott said, he he may have been able to write a piece about this and get all the sources in line and all his ducks in a row, but he hasn't. So at this point, it's still, from his standpoint, it's just um, their accounts that have been told to him, but they haven't, they're not fully vetted uh, accusations or anything like that. And then thirdly, I just want to say that we have reached out to Richard through his current uh, endeavor, which is War roads management i think um and asked just said you know that we had the opportunity to have this interview with scott and if he wanted to respond and we didn't hear anything back so there was no no denial or no admittance it was just we never heard anything back at the time of this recording so i want to get all of those things set up front and now brian i, I want to hear i guess your your thoughts about about the interview with scott yeah um like scott said and or like we like what you just said um just now not illegal but very bizarre right very like, bizarre yeah very like not sexual not illegal but just extremely bizarre and if there's one reason to get if there was one reason for me to want to get a hold of richard i just want to ask him why like like not to kink shame or whatever or whatever right, it was right. well like i guess i shouldn't say kink shame because it's not sexual but like why, why, like, was this supposed to be funny or something? Like, because, like, this is just so, it's so bizarre, you know? Right. Um, and then what's, then tying into what Scott said, it's like, it's not really a cancelable offense because it's not sexual. Or is it, a, or is it cancel worthy? I don't know. And I mean, I think, and I mean, I've, I've gone back and listened to the interview a few times because it was a few months ago, um, but it, it's been a few days. So I don't, I want to make sure I just kind of say that I don't know if I'm quoting Scott directly here because it's been a few days, but he basically says, you know, it's it's not like on the same level as like a Harvey Weinstein type thing. Because again, there's no sexual component. Um, so I don't think it's, it's, it's hard because could it be cancelable? Because if, I mean, assuming the allegations are true, um, it's, it's, to me, it's like an abuse of power, right? Yeah. And I think there's, there's no way anyone was comfortable doing that. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I doubt that most people would be comfortable with that. But at the same time, at, there was a certain time at the during the lifespan of this record label where 
getting on drive through records would be, I mean, the, I guess living out your dream for some of these people, like you, oh, you, for sure. you're a pop punk band. The dream is, Hey, maybe I'll get signed by drive through or fueled by ramen or vagrant or something like that. And if you have the chance to get signed by drive through and then you at that point feel like I'm only going to make this dream a reality. If I walk on this man's back, that's, that's like an abuse of power, right? Like there's nothing illegal, there's nothing sexual, but it's like, Oh, I feel like I have to do this to, to do what I want to do with my, my musical career. Yeah, very true. And like, um, excuse me, throughout the season, listening to some of these bands, some of these albums, listening to the comp, it was hard not to like picture some of these younger bands like having to walk all over this dude's back just to get signed, you know, especially the comp. Like I'd hear one of these just generic pop punk you know, indie rock bands, and then I'd picture them, like, having to walk on this dude's back to, just to get signed. Like, I'd just picture them, like, saying, like, you want a record deal, don't you? You're going to do this, you know? It's, like, really just gross and, like, bizarre and just... And it just makes you wonder, yeah. like, was it was it as blunt as that? As, like, do you, if you want this record deal, you're going to do this? And I don't know that it was, but it's certainly at the very least implied, like, hey, if you want this record deal, you're going to do this. Yeah. And I, I thought yeah. it was interesting because we we talked to one uh, one former one band member of a former drive through act, that would be Josh from Something Corporate. Um, we did we didn't mention these allegations to him and one of the reasons that I chose not to anyway was because he seems to have a amount of um, regard and deference. He spoke highly, to, yeah, he spoke yeah. highly of sure. Yeah, he spoke very highly of Richard and Stephanie. Um, and so I think that at least what I could infer from that is this was not a universal experience. That doesn't make it any better uh, because I think this happening right. once is not, it's not cool, right? But I think at the same time, I, it, uh, unless it's just something that you know Josh wouldn't want to have mentioned, which I don't want to try to hypothesize what their history was, but I think at the very least, I don't think it was necessary to become big. But then, then I start playing out all these other these other ideas because Josh said like other labels were after them at one point like Virgin and we know MCA was interested kind of independently of drive through so maybe you know Richard and Stephanie were just like oh shit we really want this band because we think they're going to be big so they just said you know we're not going to do any of that we're not going to do any of that we're just going to like sign them as a band without any of the stuff that we normally do you know whatever that is mm-hmm I wonder what was Stephanie's role in all of this too. That was that's another thing I'm still curious about. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they always seem to present a unified front. I mean, I think I would find it hard to believe, because um, like Scott said, this has kind of been a known secret, right? And mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, like an open so, yeah, like an open yeah, an secret. open secret. So I'd find it hard to believe that Stephanie wouldn't have known about it. But at the same time, it's it's just one of those things. Like she didn't. She didn't say anything, so yeah, that's like, not great. But there's no there's no talk of her doing anything specifically. Right. Bad. It would just be interesting to 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 know like the level of like complicit complicity. That's right. word. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. She has in this. And I mean, by far, this is the like the 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 worst thing I guess we've heard about 
drive-through, but I've I've read other things that bands have not always been happy with um, drive-through. I know. That yeah, we, we we yeah we got a taste of that through the dashboard drama between him and, and, mid, the, and Midtown. And Midtown, yeah. So it's, and, and I believe that like a hello goodbye left um, the record label under not great circumstances. And even just yesterday, I was reading about a band named Madison that had been signed to drive-through and never released anything and there was like a big falling out between them and they kind of blamed Richard for the whole thing and Richard said well you need to hear both sides of the story um, but it's it's like not a great look for a, a supposedly independent label that tries to look after artists whatever whatever the ultimate truth was like to have all this drama kind of surround what they're doing is not it's not ideal it right. sounds more like a major corporation than an independent record label for sure yeah um yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just like you, you you hear about bad labels all the time. Like you hear about like, like a Victory Records who had half their lab, half their roster sued the, sued them at some point. Uh huh. But nothing like nothing like this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just like I, I keep saying, but like it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. And then I mean the other the other I mean again on the other hand about like what how it wasn't a universal experience or maybe some bands were just willing to look past it or whatever. I point, I go back to like newfound glory, right? Like they got picked up by MCA, which turned into Geffen that deal ended newfound glory could have gone anywhere. Eventually they went to, you know, bridge nine. I don't know where they ended up after that, but they went, they came back to drive to release the second uh, from your, from the screen to your stereo. So they, they at least continued having a good relationship with drive through to the point where they re-signed with them when they didn't have to because their deal with Geffen was over. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes, so it makes you wonder like, yeah, like who had to go to what length to sign to this label, which is kind of, it's really unfair, you know, if, if it's like, yeah, if it's like, like if a more established band didn't have to do that, and like a poor little local quasi like local band like I, I picture like Halifax having to do this in, in my head every, every time I picture like the walking on the back thing in my head uh-huh. I, I, I picture the band Halifax doing it for some reason I and mean, do you even know what Halifax looks like or you just picture yeah. some guys that say their name are Halifax like no like I know I know what they look like okay yeah because <laughs> I, I don't remember what they look like yeah it's just like I don't know why like yeah, I don't know. It's it's grim. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so this when we found this out again, it was like right as we were getting ready to kind of start recording in uh, like in earnest on this project, and we kind of had a discussion like, should we continue talking about drive through? Should we not? And I think for me, what it boiled down to was, look, I've always been a huge fan of drive through records and their releases and that's that hasn't changed but before this i feel like i was a big fan of the actual record label i would always you know sing the praises of richard and stephanie and um i just you know kind of thought they were legends within the scene and then i just i i kind of reframed it and said okay that may not be true if these allegations if there's any weight to these allegations but that doesn't change the music that the artists were making it's not like richard is making this music now he was certainly benefiting off of the money this music made, um, which you could argue is problematic. But I guess the way I looked at it was these these bands, if any or all of them had to do these things, they they were able to do that 
and go on and make great music and be successful musicians. And some of them um, became, you know, highly successful despite what they had to go through here. So it's, I, I know there's a lot of discussion about like separating the art from the artist, but I guess I didn't see that applying here because Richard's not, not the artist. artist. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I can't imagine like what that's been like for you. Like, cause like I said, you this is like, like this is like a huge, huge like drive through is a huge, huge, huge deal to you, you know. And then like to find that out. Yeah, the day we record the first episode. Yeah, and when I was in college, um, this would be like oh six when MySpace was a huge thing. Like I would message Richard, and he would always message me back, and he and I never had um, any sort of weird thing like i if you were to ask me my first hand account i have no issues with richard in the uh the handful of communications i had with him over the years um also communicated with stephanie uh as recently as last year like i i had messaged her as well and just let her know we were doing a podcast um, this was before i knew about the allegations and she just kind of said oh yeah we've been we've been avoiding doing interviews for like the last 10 years so um, i i knew it was makes you wonder yeah, I mean, and I don't know because they're still they're still managing bands. Uh, I, I and like through my research, I don't know why the record label necessarily went under. Aside from, um, I mean, the bands at the end pretty much sucked. If you ask for my opinion yeah. on, on what they had, but yeah, I don't know. So is there is there anything else to say about about this specific about chapter? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I I've said pretty much everything I've wanted to say about it. Um, yeah, it's just a weird way to begin the podcast where we find this out the day we record the first episode yeah. or episode yeah. zero rather, and then that come that podcast comes out the day a different podcast silently rebrands. Mm -hmm. Like we've, it's been an uphill battle for, for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a long guess, time to get yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's kind of weird. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I thought a lot about these allegations the first few weeks we were doing this and then we kind of got into our own rhythm and like, certainly every time we would speak specifically about the label, I would try to be mindful of what I was saying in that I didn't want to, uh, to, to speak too highly of the, the, I guess the suits specifically, but tried to kind of reframe it for the bands. But, you know, once we got mm -hmm. into a groove, I, I honestly haven't thought a lot about these allegations in a while because I just enjoyed talking about the music and the bands and talking with you and our guests. So it, for me, it didn't have a big impact other than maybe the first few episodes, and I've certainly been thinking a lot about it, you know, the last couple. For sure, yeah. So, um, I, mean, I guess that kind of brings us to the end here. I, I do have a few more things to go over before we wrap this up, but I'm just curious. Um, outside, again, let's, so we've, we've set our piece on that, and I think that's interesting, and I don't know if we'll ever know more about those allegations and what's behind them, but but refocusing on the bands, the music, the releases. Brian, did, has has this endeavor changed your mind about anything in regards to the artists and the music of Drive Through Records? Has it made it has, has it made it more clear that you hate it? Have you liked it more than you thought? Like, tell me tell me what you think. 
yeah, I, I, it's definitely changed my whole entire perception of the label um, out with, with the allegations. But I mean, but as far as the, but listening to a great deal of their catalog, um, I mean, I, I found some hidden gems there, you know, like Alistair, for example, turned out to be like exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's made me like, it's, it's definitely made me listen to um, that that whole era, like, um, of the, the, the like, drive through, just with with a different a different context, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, it's it's been a trip, you know. Okay, so I mean, I kind of I want to get your thoughts maybe on some of the specific things that we've talked about in terms of bands and maybe. Okay. But but before we do that, I think I want to put it. I want to try to recontextualize some of this for you. Um, okay. Before, before we do that, okay. So uh, we we talked a little bit earlier about some of the things that bands may have had to go through, and sadly, uh, if the allegations that we've talked about are true, it's not the only time within the music industry that artists have had to go through like really shitty things, right? Like that's just. Oh it's, yeah, it's this is like it's unfortunately. I wish that I don't want to downplay was, what happened too. Right, and I wish that this was but, the only instance of things like this happening, but it's it's not exactly. Yeah, and um, and especially because because of things like that um, that are rampant within the industry, and then the 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 political and economical backdrop of which we've done this podcast against in the middle of like this hopefully once in a lifetime pandemic has made things even harder for a lot of professional musicians. Now, for me, that's hard to talk about, or I guess hard to uh, get a firm grasp on because when I think of professional musicians, I think of like Taylor Swift or someone like that, like someone who isn't really hugely impacted by a pandemic because they were already millionaires beforehand. Right. But yeah. there are plenty of professional musicians who've probably gone through shit for the last year um, because they rely on doing gigs. One, you know, one example I think of is um, when we did a, a guest spot on Thank You for the Podcast, we got the chance to talk to someone who basically makes his living off of pretending to be Gerard Way, right? And like people like yeah, that yeah. who specifically just do like live gigs, they, they've probably been hurting a lot over the last year. Um, so I, I wanted to do a... a, a a compilation for charity for um uh it's a charity called backline dot or backline uh, their website is backline.care i'm gonna go ahead and share my screen with you now okay so this is backline and they uh, are a charity that connects the music industry professionals specifically like musicians sound engineers like i guess you know the the integral parts of making music they connect those types of professionals and their families with a network of mental health and wellness providers. So they support like mental health care for professional musicians. And they offer like, they can get you uh, hooked up with mental health services, whether that's therapy, psychiatric, uh, group therapy, um, just, you know, I think mental health is so important for anyone, but especially people who've been in industries that have been really impacted lately. Um, I think this is hugely beneficial. So I, I 
went ahead and asked a number of our guests as well as other people to uh, to record some covers of drive-through bands for us uh, to, oh. to, to end the season. And oh, that's sick. that's what I want to kind of share with you now. Whoa. It, uh, uh, we're calling it Cover from the Storm, um, the storm being mental illness. And it's uh, a drive-through covers compilation that support musicians' mental health. I, you've got right here the cover. <laughs> you the you're looking at that. you got the rib. Yeah, we've got the igloo. Um, so if that is any indicator, it was designed by uh, Butter Muffin 155. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Uh, he's one of our listeners and a member of the 155 Pod Nation. So he designed this. This is a picture of his igloo that he built over the winter. <laughs> and uh, I got him to no put the little, little McRib thing on there. That's and awesome. It's got our logo. So Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is the cover. We're gonna take a listen to to all the songs right now, not in their entirety. And then the day after this episode drops, um, we're gonna have this up on Bandcamp, and like any proceeds are gonna go to this backline charity to to support um, mental health for you know, people in the music industry. That's so cool, dude. That I'm like I'm so I'm so shocked. I, I had no idea about any of this. This is crazy. Well, it, it's funny that you don't have any idea of it. And it, I think we've talked a lot about like, what is your memory like when we talk about things? Do you remember me mentioning this very briefly at one point, maybe six weeks ago? No. No. I had messaged you and I said, hey, I think we should do a charity comp. And you're like, yeah, probably. And like, I was already, <laughs> I was already planning on it, but I kind of got partway through the process and I was like, oh, I don't want to like drop this on Brian and have him be like, oh, there was something that I wanted to do for it. So I just kind of mentioned it and you were like, yeah, probably. And I was like, is there anything you think you could contribute? You're like, oh no, there's nothing that I could do. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. And now I just kind of left it at that and proceeded. Oh yeah, this. that's right. I thought you were talking about a different compilation. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, I, I just said, I think we should do a charity comp for the first collection. You were like, yeah, probably. And I was like, oh, oh do you have yeah. anything you could do for it? You're like, nah. Like, oh, oh okay. no, yeah, because I mean, I have no musical ability, so like, I was being honest. I, I, oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I respect that, but I just I was surprised that you never circled back around and asked if anything came of that or if that was still something, you okay, yeah, because that was the only time you mentioned it. So I was like, but I, I, I thought that I, I thought that was just an idea, gotcha. No, because I definitely want to surprise you, but I didn't want you to be like, I wanted to contribute to this, so. I, I broached the subject very carefully and you kind of shot it down and then I just said nothing after that. All right, are, yeah. you, are, are you ready to hear some of these songs? For sure, yeah. Okay, so our first song is a cover of Here in Your Arms by Hello Goodbye, and this version is done by Shoes Robinson. Oh, nice. And we'll probably just listen to like the first minute or so of each of these. So that that was Shoes Robinson with Hearing Arms. Awesome. It's, I mean, it's so no sick. No surprise. No, yeah. 
because shoes around everything shoes Robinson does is amazing. So, um, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh uh, yeah, he had uh, shoes Robinson has a album out now on Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think we should plug Go that. To that too. Um, let me. I'm trying to search the name of that right now. I wanted to come prepared with all of this, but I guess I'm I'm, looking it up right now. It's called Two of Wands. That came, oh, came out last year. Right. Okay. Yeah. So check that out uh, on Spotify. Um, Late last year. Yeah. yeah Bandcamp. Follow him at Shoes Robinson. Um, and so I originally, my original idea was I wanted to get just a few of our guests and maybe have three or four tracks. And all the guests I reached out to said yes. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I kind of put a call out in uh, to the, the people I know in the 155 Nation in the Discord and just said, hey, if anyone's interested, let me know. But then I specifically messaged Shoes because I know he's so amazing and so great. And he was gracious enough to agree to this like almost immediately. And um, it just he said he wanted it to sound like Joy Division, but he says everything he makes <laughs> is like thirty percent blink. Um, and I said I thought it kind of sounded like the Cure at certain points, but yeah, I think that yeah, was, that yeah, was great. It, yeah, like the, the the layered vocals on the chorus just blew me away. Yeah, like because he didn't just go high with it, you know, like 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 um, Forrest does, you know, where it's just him. He just like the vocal layers just fucking awesome for sure. Okay, so the next cover we have here is from one Mr. Rob Lanterman. And he has covered the song Couch by the Benjamins. so good it's it's really good that so that is rob you can find him on twitter at robolicious he also has hidden home records um which is at hidden home rex on on uh twitter uh, i highly recommend following him um listening to his music the bands on hidden home records he's great he uh, is another just great guy and i'm so like i got to know him because of this i didn't know him i at all before this and he is just another drive-through nerd just like me so oh yeah uh, I, I was definitely very stoked to get to talk to him um listeners may remember he was on our newfound glory episode um, at one point he was going to do a newfound glory cover but then uh, then yeah, i was surprised that he did a, a benjamin's cover so he so he he must be a big drive-through nerd like you. <laughs> so uh, he was going to do something from Catalyst because I was the the artists were kind of doing bands they had talked about and uh, on our pod, and then he was kind of halfway through it, and um, our favorite, our I sorry, least favorite pop punk guy um, finally was convicted in his case. 
Um, ah. And so uh, we kind of thought, well, maybe this isn't the best time to, to, to prop up that band necessarily. So since you uh, probably don't remember this, um, when we spoke with Rob at length, he had mentioned being excited that uh, he heard I like the Benjamins. So when he said, right. you know, I shouldn't do Newfound Glory, I said, well, oh, why don't you do a Benjamins cover? And uh, he picked this one, and um, I think he really hit it out of the park. And he said he was glad that he ended up doing this one because it was a lot of fun to sing, and uh, he he's pleased with how it turned out as well. For sure. All right, our next track that we have was submitted by our guest from last week, Mr. Sam Sutherland. And he has sent us his cover of the Dashboard song, The Swiss Army Romance. And I just want to give a, a shout-out to Sam here because um, – he, as, as we talked about in his guest spot, he's exceedingly busy. Um, so I, I never thought to ask him to, to do a cover, um, but he and I were chatting a little bit afterwards and it came up. And so he got this to me in like four days, which I think is uh, probably appropriate since the podcast that he hosts asks, uh, asks their listeners to get covers to them in like three days or less. So uh, I, I appreciate that. He, he said that he could not bring himself emotionally to listen to the song. So he, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he performed this cover from memory and from looking at lyricfreak.com. But he says the song. He says the song is still so good. So I'm just gonna drop us in here like the last minute because I think the the end is probably the best. But here we go. Okay. It's so that good. Was incredible. It is incredible. And again, like the fact that he put it together in just a, like a couple days and it's all from memory, at least musically, it's, it's just extremely yeah. impressive. I liked all the electronic instruments he had going on in there. For too. sure. Was, yeah. That really took me by surprise. Like when it first came in, I was like, Oh yeah. I was totally shocked too, because I thought again, with the, the short time he had, I thought I'd get like him and an acoustic guitar, which probably still would have right. been amazing. But like, I mean, he really went all out and, uh, uh, I told him that he just needs to, uh, you know, light one up and sit back and vibe out to age six racer. And he just said he emotionally can't do it. So <laughs> perhaps the only time he'll listen to dashboard within the last 10 years will have been himself. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you, Sam, so much for that one. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. I'm like, I'm so excited to hear the rest of this. Cause like, I don't, I can't tell. I just see this. I, I'm just seeing the, uh, the song titles, uh-huh. but I don't know who any of them are by, so I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to hear the rest okay. of this. So the next one is uh, I Woke Up in a Car, which this is the only one that was not, only one on the comp that's not on a proper drive-through release, but I allowed it um, 
because it's from Hunter DeBronc, who I think is just an awesome artist. Oh, cool. Yeah. follow him on tiktok now yeah yeah he uh he he posts a lot of covers but he never posted that one so i'm glad he like kind of like i'm glad he kind of sat on that one for a while yeah so it's it's been a a really interesting journey with uh hunter um i when i got the opportunity to speak with him for the i can make a mess episode um afterwards i just said hey i'm working on this comp do you think you could put something together for me he said yeah i'll work on something um, he originally wanted to send something from a drive-through cover stream he did like a year and a half ago, uh, and he had booted up his old external hard drive and it was completely corrupted. Uh, so he thought he had nothing, and so he's like, "Oh, you can just rip the audio from like the Alistair one or the homegrown one," which I was completely prepared to do. I was a little bummed though because we had already played those on the pod, and then he finally was able to get into a hard drive and had this. Uh, some corporate cover from a stream he did back in April of 2020. And uh, he sent this along and I was like, okay, we'll use this one because uh, I hadn't heard this before and none of our listeners will have either. So yeah, uh, thank cool. you, Hunter. Follow him at Hunter DeBlanc. Uh, he's on TikTok. He's on Twitter. He's on Spotify. He collaborated with Hello Goodbye. So uh, very talented, dude. Very talented. And uh, I don't have TikTok, but I have seriously considered getting it in the last few weeks, specifically because I know he's on there. And I, he posts some of them on Twitter. I'm like, oh, these covers are so good. Yeah, he does a lot of really cool ones that are just all over the place. Like he did, um, he does like even like southern, like he gets into like southern rap a lot. Oh, really? Like so, he played he played played a Big Mo cover, which is like no one on TikTok knows who Big Mo is. You know, he's like this old legendary Houston rapper from like the. Okay. From the chopped and screwed era yeah and hunter's down in louisiana so it makes sense that he he would have some sort of southern yeah yeah because he really he, he wore a swisher house shirt which is another oh really houston rap entity and he often oh, rocks the drive through shirt that he yeah, has so. yeah i was gonna i wanted to talk to him about houston rap okay i was i was sleeping yeah you were vibing too hard um yeah the dangers of vibe me too hard (laughs) yeah so he uh, just you know another great drive-thru nerd um so thank you hunter very much for that one okay next we have a song called kill monsters in the rain uh which i don't know if you've ever heard this song at all brian because this is a Mm -hmm. song by steel train uh and this cover is by toes.exe 
she and her partner Frank did the pod swap episode and they talked about this particular drive-through release. And uh, right. this they is sure her did. cover of Kill Monsters in the Rain from Steel Train's Trampoline. It's really good. I think it was, I, I didn't have anything to compare it to because I don't know the original. But uh, <laughs> I think it was very true to the original. Um, it's you know, not a heavier than Rocky. Than, yeah, yeah, heavier, yeah, a little heavier sure. than what I imagine Steel Train sounds like. And yeah, that was one that they focused on um, a lot in their episode that they did for us about Steel Train. You can follow Toes at exe Toes on Twitter. Of course, their podcast. Thank you for the podcast at thanks for the pod and it's it's missing some vowels i don't know you guys will figure it out <laughs> um i was sent me her demo for her band and it's it's really good oh so is it nice hopefully hopefully someone could put it out okay that's really cool i haven't yeah, i haven't heard that yet so yeah i don't ha- i don't have the money to do it but but Damn. uh she sent it my way and i heard it and it's pretty good cool that's awesome i'm excited for that okay this this next one is a, uh, a a band, a group called Forever My Fraser. Um, yeah, so this is a uh, a band that I I they had reached out to me after they saw my call in like the Discord channel looking for drive through covers, and they said they would be willing to do one. Um, they are, I, I guess, a new act. Their debut was just a few weeks ago they did a cover for the 155 pod they covered that song inside out by eve six when they did that oh, and it was like cool. a, it was like a spoken word one and really? yeah it was a spoken word one you can find them on twitter at forever my Frasier, and that's the number four at the beginning and so they did a spoken a spoken word song uh or a spoken word cover here of so i finally decided to give myself a reason and that is um, by I Can Make a Mess Like Nobody's Business. It's a night of many frightening things to take in. It's not the way we please ourselves, our friends. It's what we won't accept. It's what will steer us now. It's ourselves. It's ourselves. So tonight as you walk, the moon makes faces at the trees. It's so nice to make fun of everything that I lost, and I miss, and I love. 
but never had. Tonight I'm going to take a test to grow up. So I'm sorry for the things I've done to everyone. It's not your face I can't tell. But I try to be this way. It's my own. So tonight when I walk, the moon makes faces at the trees. It's so nice to make fun of everything that I've lost, that I miss, that I love, and never had. That was spooky. <laughs> it's a super spooky, like, uh, there's like the, I don't know how well you can hear it on your end, but there's like crying in the background. Oh, yeah, there. yeah, that was, that was wild. It's, it reminded me of someone like reading a ransom note. Someone reading a ransom note? Yeah, I, I definitely got like serial killer vibes from it or something. Exactly, like yeah. Because you can hear the person whimpering in the background and like this, this deep, deep voice, you know, just reading just whatever, you know, like... Well, and it's just such a weird, like, it's a weird take on an Ascender song, right? Like, I feel like a lot of his songs are kind of yeah, the opposite of depressing, I guess. <laughs> right. It's yeah. not presented in such a, a depressing manner. Yeah. So uh, thank you to Forever My Frasier for, for that one. Evidently a spoken word group. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to see what came after that. Okay, so this next one is from a listener and someone who specifically reached out to me when I kind of put out the call and said they would be interested. Um, they are being credited as Foley, um, but it's by our friend Derek, at Sia Derek on Twitter. Um, oh, cool. And he did a cover of Walking on Glass by nice. the movie Life. Nice. So let's take that. Take a listen to that. go. I know he had said he had tried to get someone else to do the vocals and it just didn't work out and he ran out of time. So he did the vocals himself. I think he did a, a great <laughs> job. Uh, that was so, sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah for that. sure. Okay. Uh, moving right along here. Next is uh, Tower 19 is how he wants to be credited, but it is Gabe Sluice, uh, a listener of ours, sponsored oh, yeah. for Royal Record or Royal Guitars, rather. Yeah. Uh, and I promised him I would say, our sluice our, is our, loose. So, yeah, our, our boss sensor. Uh, right, we we had to include this because yeah, he's our yeah. sponsor. If we if we didn't do this, we wouldn't get the lifetime supply of capos we've been promised. Right. Uh, so he chose to cover the starting line song "Greg's Last Day," which is from the EP they released with Drive Through, 
and uh, he apologized for his sad vocal delivery. He says it reminds him of when he was um, a young lad and his best friend uh, moved away. So that's uh-huh. maybe why he chose this one. Um, this is Greg's Last Day by Tower 19. Tower 19. Is Gabe Sluice on Twitter at Gabe Sluice? Um, yeah, that was, that was pretty sad. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a depressing. T- I mean, it's it's definitely a depressing song uh, that was kind of just presented in more of a pop punk manner. But I think he he took it to a different level, and I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, it didn't feel like a pop punk acoustic cover. No, it was not like some of the covers we get. So yeah, check him out it was on like Twitter. Like the microphones or something. Yeah. Or, uh, or um, what's that guy's name? Phil Elvrum. Phil Elvrum, yeah. That, yeah. What's, uh, um, Mount Erie? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Damn. Good good call. So, yeah, check out Gabe Sluice on Twitter. It looks like he is also an author. Um, he has a number of oh, books. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's got a number of books that he has out, and you can find a link to that on his Twitter he has an Instagram for his Royal Guitars company where you get to see him making some sick guitars. So thank you. Thank you, Gabe, for that. Yeah. Okay, so next we have a cover that I have done um, of the Finch song, Letters to You. Ooh. I was originally going to do a something corporate song. I actually finished recording it, and it sounded like absolute hot, flaming garbage. And then, <laughs> uh, and then luckily Hunter uh, came through with a something corporate cover, so I I kind of relieved myself of that and chose to do a Finch song. And I'm completely fine with saying that this is the the, the worst track on the compilation, but um, I wanted to, to put something on there. So here we go. Thank you. 
Hell yeah. So that's that's my contribution for whatever it's worth. <laughs> I liked it. It had well, thank the, you. I like I I didn't know the song you were like referencing until you got to the chorus though. But like, uh, but once you got there, I was like, oh yeah, it was it was that song. Yeah, I, I can't do any of the screaming or anything like that, so I just kind of tried to do something different with it. I don't I don't okay. know how I ended up settling on this one. I was just kind of I almost did like an RX Bandits one, and then I was like, oh yeah, what about Letters to You? And I just kind of started dinking around with it, and that was that's what came out. So. <laughs> that's what came out yeah okay so our last one is courtesy of make belief uh he's been a content creator for us uh, for a vast majority of our episodes doing night cores uh, luckily uh, i don't want to say luckily that implies that i didn't enjoy his night cores um he's not done a night core for us this time he has instead done a cover of the starting line song cheek to cheek which is from say it like you mean it and uh, this one, it uh, it's very vibey. It kind of takes me to a different place anyway. And I think it's it's just incredible. And I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of close the compilation out. So um, this is Make Believe with Cheek to Cheek. very vibey like very said. vibey yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and I, th I think it's incredible i really like that one make believe is very very talented he is absolutely and it's, it was nice to to get something on here that is his creation uh with his voice instead of uh, a nightcore version of something so thank right. you skylar oh yeah so that that's it that's the compilation nine songs awesome Again, it's called Cover from the Storm, a drive-through covers compilation to support musicians' mental health. It'll be available on Bandcamp, and all the proceeds will be donated to Backline Mental Health and Wellness Resources for the Music Industry. That's super cool. I didn't even know that was – I didn't even know Backline existed until just now. I, I didn't either. I, did, I had to do a lot of research because I definitely wanted a charity that kind of um, – had the musicians in mind so it took some took some digging to find this but i think it's a good one yeah for sure okay so that's that's pretty much gonna wrap it up i guess uh what are your i mean what was the 
what was the worst thing we had to endure this season in terms of albums, Brian? Oh man, um, oh, the albums. Um, I don't know. I, I hidden in plain view stands out. Okay, <laughs> who chose that one? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I can't. I, I can't oh, recall. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um. Um. Oh, Phoenix DX. That was, was a bad one. That's up there. Homegrown. That's up there. Also, I, 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 I don't know who chose those. Um, uh, well, I didn't choose Homegrown. That was Danny. Wait, really? <laughs> well, I mean, he kept asking us to guest on the Homegrown episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I thought I chose Homegrown. No, we just agreed we were going to do that one because Danny really wanted to guest on that one. So. That's right. Oh, that's right. Okay, I would have chose. I would have chose it though. Oh, really? Because yeah, because I, 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 because I, for love, for the life of me, couldn't remember what that band sounded like. And I, I really wanted to find out. Hmm. Which I could have just done myself. I mean, right. we'd never do a podcast. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it unless, unless I can talk. I get to talk about it on a microphone. So. Right. Okay, well then, no. what was what was the best thing we talked about then? Uh, I think like the best album we did. Yeah, uh-huh. I think probably Alistair. Okay, that's um, fair. Alistair or like, I mean, that was the best album that I that I didn't hear previously. Yeah. So that, um, but then as far as albums that I'd heard before, probably Catalyst. Yeah. I'd say Catalyst was my favorite one as well, but Alistair was a nice surprise because I had not listened to it in probably like 12 years or so, and it's it's really good. Yeah, I chose that one, and like um, for the same reason I chose Homegrown and Hidden in Plain View. You just finally um, got it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I was. It was. Just, it was just. It's. It's just like. I mean, so much of this podcast was me like. Like just kind, of, I just finally just getting like that listening out of the way. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like I, I knew about all these bands growing up. I'd see their stickers around and stuff like that, you know, but never really cared enough to like download it or like or go out and buy it or whatever. Yeah, you know, like like bands like Homegrown or like Alistair or like names I just see everywhere growing up, right. and just like. And then just kind of finally like figuring out what they sound like, just finally checking it out. Yeah. Well, are there any other like highlights of the pod that you want to mention or the first collection or anything that sticks out to you? Um, it's just it's just been really fun. It's like I I, I like count down the minutes till like we till we start recording. Like every time, I'm just I'm always stoked to be like get out here and talk about this stuff. Yeah, and and it's um, I think it's been great. I've really enjoyed. I mean, getting to know you, obviously, and talk to you, but we've also had some really cool guests that I would not have otherwise had the chance to talk to. For sure, yeah. We got to we, we got to meet a lot of really cool people that, like, and talk to, like, um, even though it wasn't under the best circumstances, talking to Scott Heisel was, for me, was that was really fucking exciting. Yeah. Because I had grown up reading his 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 writing in, in alternative press, like, from like all of high school yeah and like his, like his writing got me into so many bands like on the music industry and like the weaker bands and like all that kind of stuff 
So that was pretty cool. But I wish I wish we could have talked about like something positive with him. <laughs> oh, for sure. But um, yeah, that was really exciting for me. That that really stuck out. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much it. I think I I, I didn't really come with any thoughts prepared. Okay. I, I've just been vibing all day. <laughs> And that's but not vibing too hard. You're vibing too hard, so it's time to go to bed. Not vibing too hard, no. I keep forgetting it's Sunday, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't really have much to add other than I think, yeah, it was a great experience. I still love all of these albums, except for River Phoenix. And, yeah, uh, I mean, they, and I just I want to say, like, thank you to anyone who's actually bothered to listen because uh, the fact that we got any listeners at all shocked me. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, the amount of listeners we have based on some of their numbers is crazy right that's it's it's insane to me yeah and i think when i uh, i mean not to get too earnest i guess but i was really i guess touched when i saw that we had some people that listened like on christmas day like the fact that you would spend your holiday listening to me and brian talking about uh i god knows what is um it's pretty cool so yeah that that was that, that was crazy um but yeah um yeah i can't i can't wait to see what we what season two holds because um because I, I wonder like how much of our audience was built in because of drive through well i think we've always said we're kind of a spin-off of um 155 pod and certainly as yeah we so about that's, with... a lot of that audience is built in as well but like yeah um i wonder if a lot of the, the enthusiasm came from like the common and cut the common love for drive-through amongst that built-in audience well i guess hopefully we're gonna, yeah we're gonna find out with season two yeah we're gonna find out how many people actually like us versus the, the subject <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's true um so yeah i mean we we are definitely coming back for a second collection probably gonna take yeah we've been a, renewed a break but we, we have been renewed for season two um, and I mean, renewals for Higher season. Up, it. Yeah. And I think that uh, the idea of being renewed uh, is something that will come into play next collection. Ah, um, uh, yeah. And I guess I, uh, I'll leave it at that. And uh, I, yeah, that's all I've got. That's all you got? That's all I've got. Fuck Vagrant Records. Fuck Vagrant Records, yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.